Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And we are back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. And Boxhead, it was a pretty good round of football on the weekend, uh, especially those two clashes between the top four sides. Enjoyed those games a lot. They're a bit of a haze to me, I've got to be honest. A bit of a haze? Um, post City to Surf, yeah. It was a big day as it always is. But yeah, I, I got to see the majority of it. Didn't hear a lot of it, but got to watch the majority of, um, of both games. And I, I'm probably... I've just grown in more admiration, I think, for those those four sides. And they're just, I think, all four of them have proved why they're in the top four and why I probably believe that they're going to remain as the top four. And they're probably, in my eyes, the only four teams that could win the competition. Well, I said last week I was a little bit worried just because some of the players that were missing, but they still deliver regardless. And the thought going forward is that if those games were that good, then I can't wait until they're all full strength. The Raiders yeah. were basically as good as they could be as far as what they've got on the field, but they definitely dug in and they've still got some room to grow. The Roosters, we know, they've still got Jake Friend, Tokiaho, Cordner to come back on board. They were good. Melbourne, no Pappenhausen, no Hughes, no Brandon Smith. And then you've got South, who are still waiting for two Burgesses as well as Alex Johnston, who at the start of the year obviously made a big difference to their spine, in particular his link play with Cody Walker. But those two games, yeah, uh, was quite happy with them. And I guess we kick things off as we always do with our set of six. If you're here with us for the first time with the fifth and last NRL podcast, welcome. And uh, the set of six is just six things, six tackles of what we think, thoughts, questions, topics, anything we want to talk about. And tackle one is referring similarly to what we just did. And that is the bottom eight. Logjam continues. The top four delivers, but it's the same old story. The top two teams uh, have kicked away again. The Storm and the Roosters, last year's grand finalist, yeah. looking very ominous and very strong. Melbourne rolled in a whole heap of young kids. They've moved on from Billy Slater, and they blooded their fourth fullback on the weekend, Nico Hines, who did a hell of a job. And then you've got the Roosters, who have had an interrupted year with injuries. Origin barely had their same spot on the field, had forwards rolling in and out, and they just kept getting the job done as well. Um, the log jam, last week we thought things become a bit more clear, and then the results completely flipped this week. The Sharks got rolled by a young Panther side. The Tigers had a couple of early injuries and got rolled by the Bulldogs, which threw things into a bit of a shamble for them. The Warriors, after looking dead and buried, rolled Manly. Broncos got one of the ugliest wins you've ever seen, but that elevated them. And then you've got Newcastle, who are just holding on by an absolute thread, who are going to need to win basically out to get in. But uh, the drama certainly didn't stop because the Tigers and the Sharks, who last week looked like they were going to kick on, both lost. Yeah. Difficult. I... I had Manly and Cronulla as my best bets of the weekend, and they well, they I, both bombed out, didn't they? I, I, had, I had two try win combos revolving around those. Huge, and... uh, huge confidence, and geez, they just uh, slapped me in the face. So 
I don't know what to really make of that round. Again, I think it just highlights that those teams that we talk about in that congested space are there because of their inconsistencies. Inconsistency, and yep. you always you sort of look last week, Tigers and Sharks are probably the two that you looked at and thought, okay, they can kick on from here. Their draws look all right. And then they fall over. Uh, this, this is why I just think you can't put any faith in, in those sides at all, I don't think. Uh, Penrith have probably been the one that have been a little bit more consistent recently post their big losing streak to start the year. But even them, you know, that loss to the Bulldogs wasn't ideal. So, you know, these teams have got four weeks now to really straighten things up and make a run to the finals. Well, the best part about it is they cross paths at starting this week straight away yeah. again with the We're Broncos. September before September, really, yeah. aren't we? The Broncos and the Panthers are crossing paths. The last round against the Tigers for the Sharks is a potential cross of paths. Sharks next week play the Warriors, so that has a direct effect. The Tigers play Newcastle next week, and then Cronulla, as I just said, in the last round. You've got the Broncos, who are playing two teams that are ahead of them in Souths and the Eels, but this week, again, are fighting with Penrith to climb over the top of them. And then you've got Newcastle, who also play the Tigers and Panthers on the run-in as well. Yeah. Of all the teams, though, to start with an effort like they did on the weekend in the Warriors, which was a great win by them, I think they're dead and buried looking at their run home. And I know you say don't look at the draw, but they play the Roosters, Souths, the Raiders, and the Sharks on the way home. Yeah, no, they're So good. I think they've left it a bit late, but this goes back to what we've seen earlier in the year. A lot of those close games that they lost and a bit of a dead period in the origin period there. There was the one-point loss I can think about to Brisbane. There was a couple of two- and four-point losses in games that you thought they had under control. Um, it's just the same old story for the Warriors. And games like that on the weekend more give you the shits. As a spectator, I, mean, I bet it's even more frustrating for Warriors fans to see them dish that up against a quality side, yeah. but they can't do that week to week. And why did they have to get a shellacking last week but then dish that up this week when it meant almost nothing? But it just seems all too convenient at times when they decide to play football. Yeah. Uh, as far as those top four games... Yeah, a lot of that was down to Manly. Manly, were they made so many errors and they've been so good in terms of not making errors in their discipline this year. It was... It's just one of those games, I think, for Manly. I also think, speaking of those top four that we are just talking about, Melbourne, obviously, uh, debuting another fullback, getting the job done there. The Roosters getting a tough win. Their defence is what won on the comp last year. They backed themselves that last 10, 15 minutes when they are under fire. My admiration grew for Canberra because I thought they were tough again in that game, but I've said it before, and I don't want to hype on it, but they still haven't beat any of those sides around them. Mm. They've lost to Melbourne, and that was early in the year. They've lost to the Roosters in two close games now. They lost to Souths by a field goal. Um, they lost to the oh, sorry they beat the Sharks the other week and I think Parramatta's the only other team in that kind of logjam near them and they lost to Parramatta as well mm. uh, they beat them once early in the year so their record in particular against the top five or six sides isn't great but more particularly the three sides I think they're going to have to go through to win the competition uh, Ricky Stewart afterwards is very adamant he'd be confident they could beat them and I agree but I I still kind of stick by what I said last week and I think they need more out of their one six and seven creative wise because there's too much pressure right now on Josh Hodgson. Their forward pack's delivering. They get second phase. They lay the platform, but he's the one who stirs the drink. Too much is having to come from him. Jack Whiten, great runner. Caesar has a solid kicking game, but he hasn't been awfully creative. And Charles McClogstad's a great runner of the football as well, but not exactly a ball player. There's a lot being relied on Josh Hodgson and the forwards. I think they could do it. Could they string together three weeks? Yep, 100%. But right now, if you told me that they were going to go into an away game at Melbourne or play the Roosters away and then have to back that up again if they lost and then get back through to get to the grand final. I don't know if I could see them winning three weeks in a row or getting their whole way through the final series if that's the path they're going to have to take. Yeah. But just 
Yeah, Jack. Oh, I like the Raiders. I think the Raiders can win. I do like the Raiders as well, and that's the thing. And don't take it in a I'm negative not convinced way. South can win it. But I, I, I'm I convinced that Canberra on their day can beat those sides. They're still going to have to improve in the next month. Yeah, if there's anything I took out of the weekend, my admiration grew more for the Raiders, and that's the only thing I think needs to be fixed up a little bit in the run in. But for South, I'm looking at it going, well, they definitely missed those few big boppers, the Burgess brothers, to lay that platform for Cook. But I also think the combination earlier in the year between Johnston and Cody Walker is very underrated. Yeah. When they have that go forward and Cook gets out and he has early ball and he plays those edges, Johnson just probes around, hangs around Cody Walker when he can run. But I think it's pretty obvious for them. They get the big boppers back and they lay that platform. That gets Cook more involved in the game. Cook getting more involved in the game brings Walker into the game, brings yeah. Johnson into the game. They They're missing the forwards. They're exactly. missing their forwards. Until they get them and they can stay on the field consistently. I still think out of that top four, they're the worst defensive side, though. That's one well, thing that, this year that, too, that has yeah. been a bit of an issue. But without those guys on the field to boost their attack, I think they're a bit vulnerable. Yeah, so they need to get those guys back. We move on from that. Tackle one. Tackle two is the Sharks. And we already know that they got punished for a bit of a salary cap drama at the start of the year, which is going to pass on to next year, $350,000 off their cap. They've already lost Kyle Flanagan. They let one of the Braley brothers go. The talk about Jesse Ramey and go back there, they basically said can't happen because of money and with Gallon retiring, there's not a whole lot of money free and it's come out today or been reported by a lot of outlets, obviously, that 2020, they're about 800 out of the cap. And you look at the players that are taking up some of that money, uh, the one again, and I don't want to harp on it, but I, I think Sean Johnson was a mistake and funnily enough, it was by Flanagan before he left. But he's on about 800, 850. Apparently, Woods ended up on similar money. You've got Fafita, Wade Graham, Dugan, and Matt Moylan. To offload one of those guys, I think the only ones that clubs would pay that full freight for are the ones you wouldn't want to let go. Yeah. I think looking at the names I just mentioned, if you're Cronulla, if you're going to let any one of those go, I think Dugan would be your number one candidate, given the fact that uh, you know he's a bit injury-prone. And I know he's played very, very well the last few weeks and kind of fired back after Gordon Talis made those comments, but... Let's be honest, consistency in his game. He's made the most errors in the competition. He shouldn't need someone to spark him up. He shouldn't. So Correct. I think he needs a little bit too much personal love. Wade Graham, I'm happy to pay. For feeder, when he's healthy, I'm definitely happy to pay. Aaron Woods would probably be number two on that list. But I still think the big mistake here is what I said at the start of the year. I think they cost themselves Kyle Flanagan by signing Sean Johnson. But the funny thing is, it wasn't with Morris or that board there. It was his own father before his demise. Yeah. And I just think it's kind of funny the way this is all panned out right now. Because if Sean Johnson never gets brought in and they stick with what they had in Kyle and he plays a bit of game time, I think they've got their future seven and they're probably not in this hole right now. Mm. They might have had a couple of hundred grand they needed to find. But of those names I mentioned, I assume you'd probably agree that out of Woods, Johnson, Fafita, Wade Graham, Dugan and Moylan, that Dugan would probably be the one that you'd look to get rid of. Yeah. Well, now they've lost Flanagan, obviously, you, you almost have to keep Johnson. Well, you've only Woods, just Woods, got him I think, there. has improved. I think he has, but I don't uh, think he's I, worth I'm not sure that he's sort of worth, freight. yeah, that sort of money. I think, the, look, you can look at the majority of those contracts and go, well, we're probably not getting value for money for them. So they're, they're going to have to manage all those contracts, I think, in some regard. But Dugan's probably the one. But mind you, he's played okay recently. The last few weeks. My issue with yeah, them, it shouldn't take no, people's it shouldn't. remarks to get to play good football. You won't get an argument out of me in that regard. I mean, Moylan, best form at one 
a little bit injury prone. But same deal this year. I think. I think again, like you said, if you want to talk literal value for money, they haven't got their value for money out of Wade Graham so far, given the fact he's missed the majority this year since he's no, started on that you're contract. You're not going to let him go. But you're looking at potentially the best back rower in the competition, or one of the best back rowers in the competition. We've seen the effect he's had on that side. So yeah, that's something you're not worried about. And character is definitely not something you're questioning. No. But I just think it's kind of funny again that that Johnson contract in particular by Flanagan before he's fired and his own son emerges and now he's heading to the Roosters and they've got this drama. So interesting to see how that plays out moving forward. Sharks fans, feel free to inbox us and let us know uh, you know who you'd probably move on that situation, but I think Dugan's probably the one that stands out for me. But again, it. move on. They can't move him on. No, like if he digs they his have heels to agree in. to go. So good luck. And who's got the least amount of not, And he's also not really... Like, if you're another club, do you, no one's you really jump over? Well, that's the this thing. This is my old point. Yeah. If, they, if they let him go, I think he's one of the ones that... When's people, he off? I think he's still got another year to run. Yeah, so I'd, I'd almost just dig in and just suck it up. Um, Who are you letting go, though? They're, like, they're going to have to make a tough decision somewhere. Someone's I don't know. Have what happens there? Is it last out? Or last in, his first out? Well, if that was the case, it'd it's be Johnson, Sean Johnson. Well, there you go. Which is a very awkward situation. But we'll see Good how luck, that one yeah. plays out moving forward. But, yeah, not great news for uh, the shark side of things and wait and see how that plays out. Tackle three, uh, also not exactly something the game needed yesterday. The photos emerging from the Mad Monday last year of Sean Lane when he was still at Manly. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say on it. There's not a whole lot of information for now. We know that it was released. My big issue goes back to what we've said a million times before. You played, I played. We've got <laughs> mates that are still playing now. <laughs> For the love of me, I'll never fucking understand why people have to document every single thing they do, in particular on Mad Monday or when you're out in the piss. It's just not smart. And the timing of it all. Like, whether it was somebody else that was there, whether it's someone's mate who's had it, and why it comes out now. But the, the issue goes back to that again. When you're out on the piss, fucking put your phone away. Yeah. Keep smart company. Like, look out for who you're with and just don't do this shit in the first place. You're risking way too much. Um, and again, he's at Parramatta now. It's well and truly past when Mad Monday. Well, we're talking probably almost ten months ago. Yeah. Given the circumstances, but the timing is just not great. Uh, it's obviously going to be investigated, and we can't say a whole lot more now. But I just more get frustrated that we've gone over this a million times. Like you just think players would be smarter now on Mad Mondays that if you're going to do something dumb, and we know a lot, a lot of people do like to get a bit loose when they go on Mad Mondays or they go on their off-season trips, put the camera phones away. Correct. And keep smart company. And we don't condone it all, whether that is a substance that they're all taking, etc. I think it's pretty obvious that it's probably a bag of cocaine if it's a white substance. But I just, yeah, I'll never understand the intelligence of players thinking that it's smart to have to record and take photos of everything. And then it, this smart, comes back and bites them on the ass. So another black eye at a bad time. Tackle four at a much more positive note, the Hall of Fame. Uh, four more players were inducted last night into the Rugby League Hall of Fame. And I tell you what, some pretty handy players that missed out. But uh, those players that were inducted, congratulations massively to Ruben Wiki, Stacey Jones, Denny Buris, and Craig Young. Ruben Wiki was a freak, uh, over 50 tests for New Zealand, come into grade when I was only two or three years old as a centre for Canberra, and <laughs> yeah. then finished up in the front row. Imagine trying to tackle Played him. over 300 games. The image that sticks out in my head and is the highlight of my whole career, when the Warriors were slowly building under Ivan Cleary towards that finals run, and he took that carry off the kickoff against the Roosters, I think, just before finals, and just KO'd CSL off that kickoff. Yeah. It was absolutely brutal. Stacey Jones, obviously a pioneer, probably their greatest ever half or one of their best ever players. He obviously led them that 2002 first grand final for the Warriors and was doing very, very well up until a point where they blew out at the back end and 
obviously had some huge games for New Zealand, led from the front for a long time for them. Danny Badiris, well, the best New South Wales hooker we've ever had. Currently, yeah. Damien yeah. Cook may forge that path further. We don't know. Well, he's but, got a long way to go. Yeah, exactly. Great captain, great player. Um, was probably holding that mantle before Cameron Smith emerged or come along. I mean, you know, Cameron Smith's gone he on was. to do right now, but Denny Badira speaks for himself. Hard worker, outstanding combination with Joey Johns, led from the front from that side. Did a lot of things that went unsung, given probably the players that he had there. Uh, Craig Young, uh, with full respect to him, I never got to see him play, obviously, because he played in the 70s. You weren't born... I wasn't born. From everything I've read or heard today, he was a big body at the time who led from the front for his forward pack and also had silky skills, which was, I guess, something rare for props back in that kind of period in time. And we obviously, post-football, he's had a huge involvement with the Dragons. He actually coached the first grade side for a bit. He managed teams. He's been involved with New South Wales and Australia. But it's a few handy names that missed out. We had a look at that list last night. Uh, there was Jeff Tuvey from memory, Michael O'Connor, Kevy Walters, who's won six competitions, we've said it before, I don't know about the origin coaching side of things, but he could certainly play. And there's many more. Bob Linder, I, I could keep going until I'm blue in the face, but out of the 25 names there, there's definitely some guys that are lucky to miss out. And there's some other guys that'll be nominated again moving forward who will have another opportunity. You saw Craig Fitzgibbon on there. He was a hell of a player as well. Chief, Paul Harrigan. So, uh, yeah, very, very rare air for those players and congratulations to them. Yeah. Tackle five, probably one to address. Just trolls. And social media, and I think people realise, and we've said this a lot now, we're not super active on here. We don't put up a lot of things uh, at times. We prefer to do the podcast and interact this way and deliver content in this fashion. I generally don't like social media, the big reason, because it's generally a haven for negativity Mm. and for people to be keyboard warriors. And unfortunately, over the weekend, there was multiple incidents. The Josh McGuire thing in the first place, I, I said it myself that I think in a football sense, not the person that he was a grub as a football player. I don't know the bloke personally. I'm sure he's a great person, he's a father, all that kind of stuff. But as a football player, I think he does some grubby things. But for people to send death threats to somebody... It's a bit extreme. Like, again, you're behind a keyboard, you're sitting at home, you've never played a game of football in your life. Like, you wouldn't say it to his face. No. So why you get behind a keyboard and think trying to be a tough guy? And then for people to put up, I think, Latrell Mitchell, the bit of the racism that was put against him, again, just absolutely disgusting and fucking dead shits in 2019... But I think Paul Gallen said one of the smartest things last night that every social media account should have to be verified. So you put your name and face to everything yeah, you do and, and you can't hide behind it and things that you you know do and say on here you're held accountable for. Mm, that's a wider issue, I think. They probably, you know, you can make the same argument. There's a lot of bullying that goes on anonymously with kids at school. Yep, and I think the last one was Paul Momorowski who <clears throat> up until that point scored a couple of ripper tries for his side, kicked all the goals and kept his team in the game. Had the crucial kick on full-time and he did miss it. But again, some of the abuse he copped online from blokes that have probably never played a game and don't have the talent to play first grade. Disgusting. And I'm happy to say right now exactly what I said before. Anything we do or say on here is football-related to a person. Nothing's personal. Nothing's questioning the character of somebody. Everything is to football. But if you're one of these people that's on these sledging pages or talk shit to players or harass people, feel free not to listen. Yeah. Because we don't need you. And you're not the kind of people we want at games uh, or around the game of rugby league. But... Honestly, you don't type anything in that you wouldn't say to someone. In someone's face, exactly. That's generally the rule that I operate on. It's, it's another thing to give someone grief for having a bad game. Unless it's something nice that yeah. you feel as though you could only express that way, but you shouldn't definitely shouldn't be, uh, I guess, communicating negativity in that regard. It's poor. There's levels to things. There's one thing to say, oh, he had a terrible game, or something someone did was disgraceful, like if you're not happy with Josh Maguire's face raking, but to death threats, like seriously? Are we that fucking brain dead? That's stupid. Like, 
dead set. And sure. the, the race isn't towards the trail. And then same deal, the abuse at Momborowski. Like, again, a week ago, scored a couple of tries, kept your side in the game on the weekend, did the much the same thing. Come up with a couple of really good finishes. Mm. And he's missed the goal. But, you know. It's not the first goal he's missed. and won't be the last. No, nah. and plenty of players mm. have done the same thing. So I guess just in general, some of that over the weekend, just some negative people behind keyboards. Get a life, basically. Do something better with yourself. You're not playing first grade. Exactly. Um, yeah. Find something better to do with your time rather than harass people that are, you know, doing good. And the last one, don't want to spend a lot of time on this issue because everyone's beating it. And, again, people don't want a lot of negativity in the game, but some refing issues over the weekend. I think the only real thing uh, I took out of it was the two sin bins and everyone, again, <laughs> spoke about it to their red in the face that the two bins in the Dogs-Tigers game in particular I thought were both a bit extreme. And if that's the direction we're heading with those late hits, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting into a very dangerous area as in affecting some finals games, I think. Chris Smith's ones in particular. Chris Smith's one was ridiculous. I thought like, both. Garner's in sure full speed. I'm I don't not know sure again. How they're sin bins. It's a penalty. Yeah, it's if a you penalty. want to penalise them, okay. Smith wasn't a penalty. I don't think his <clears> no. was a penalty. Like Garner's might be a penalty, but I don't think he was ridiculously late. I also think the players dived as well that were hit. Well, I think another one that's starting to head to that area is the crusher. Mm. There's some crushes over the weekend. You I see some blokes that are 50 50, but now they know that it's getting put up on the match review committee and some bits and pieces. And then I saw a lot of media outlets put up. Nelson was involved in one that they were blowing up that wasn't charged over the weekend. I think you'd find more than just that one over the weekend. And late hits too. I watched a couple of games where I saw worse hits than what I saw in the Dogs and Tigers games yeah, that weren't definitely. reported. So, like, to just highlight one and cuss out a player from Melbourne and someone else bet on the drum. Oh, it's another tactic. I think Paul Kent did it. And we love Kenny, but I completely disagree again to be throwing up that drama again a couple of weeks out for finals, that they're the only team... To be getting involved in that sort of stuff, but a lot of it is the way that players are running and they're turning their body. Yeah, and, and they try to push backwards. And, yeah, they're just trying to win the ground. Uh, so I think that's contributing to a lot of it. Yeah, um, you know that's no excuse. No, nah. but I think it's just something that we need to take into account. Definitely, I think we're just we're heading into a very dangerous area with that if that's going to be the benchmark. Um, and then I guess again, just consistency on other things that happen in the game. A lot of people weren't happy with the obstruction in the Cowboys-Broncos game. To me, the rule, unfortunately, as it's written, is you can't stop in the line. So Gavin Cooper stopped in the line. I know McCulloch wasn't even really affected yeah, by Yeah, I thought it. to the letter of the law it was a right call. Yeah, and that's what I mean. To the letter of the law, but if you're asking me in common sense, no, he wasn't affected. I thought it was a try. I thought he stopped. But if you want to go by the letter of the law and that's the way they want things, that's how it is. Yeah. Um, the other one that was a bit confusing, I guess, again, is Ponga a couple of weeks ago, to me, I'd thought shouldn't have been Sinbin and didn't end up getting charged for that collision going for the football in the Tigers game on the weekend. Absolutely smoked Gutherson, which I have no problem with when both go across to save a try, but we all blew up about Billy Slater 12 months ago, mm. and now we're fine with it. So I'm just a little bit confused on that, and Dufty got penalised yellow week, but that wasn't a penalty. Like, consistency is... Uh, none. There is absolutely there is none, none at this point in time. And then we already spoke about it previously, the Trebojevich tackle as compared to the White tackle as compared to the Isaac Luke tackle... Yeah, I, I'm, I don't want to bash the refs. They've got a hard enough job as it is. There's too many changes. We're too reactive. They should just let them go. Yeah. Let them ref the game. Let them get a feel for it. Stop bringing in all these edicts and rule changes and all these bits and pieces. And I'm just hoping they get. Well, the stripping one was an interesting one, an interesting topic. So. Well, I think we'll address that one later because I'm guaranteed it's going to pop up somewhere again. Right. But um, in particular, when we get to the Canberra Roosters game, we'll definitely talk about that one. But yeah. Yeah. That's our set of six. Set of six. Now we move on to the power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Center. If you're looking for a system, then look no further than the Penrose Solar Centre. Brock's got one. I've got one. The old man's got one. We're all on board. 
help yourself, help your back pocket, especially in summertime out here in the Gold West. It makes a huge difference. It almost cut my bills in half last year, Boxhead. Yeah. You can flog your ducted during the daytime when it's 40 degrees out here. That makes a hell of a difference when you get home at night. <clears throat> that's for sure. But get on to the boys there. Jake in particular. Big shout out to him. Award winning business for the Penrith Local Awards, Trades and Services. They say defense is the best offense. So what defense have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Soul Center is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC are devoted to giving you control back of your power bill. Let the sun work for you and your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs. Contact the team today on 1800-2029-30 to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. www.penrithsolar.com.au Power rankings box at number one. Obvious, the Melbourne Storm. All right, the Roosters. All right. I've had the Roosters for a few weeks. So, Well, my one and two haven't changed all year. The Roosters are number two. That's not exactly on who I think would win if they played full strength, but just on the where they are right now this point in the season, uh, they're head and shoulders above. But full strength, best form, I think the Roosters are a better side. Yeah, I got, I got the Roosters at one, I got the Storm at two, but you could argue your case there. I'm just now looking ahead thinking, well, yep. who do I think will win later on in the year? Number three. Uh, the Raiders. Yep, I've uh, moved the Raiders up despite the loss, just given the fact, you know, like I said, I, I think there's that one crucial area that needs to grow, in particular the other key members of the spine coming up with a bit more creativity, but their forward pack, their defensive will, their yardage work, they tick all the boxes everywhere else. I think they just need a little bit more out of the spine creatively to help out Josh Hodgson. Number four, Souths. Souths. Yeah. I uh, still think the big thing for them is what we spoke about before. Manly won on the weekend. I might, I might have bumped Manly above them, but uh, Manly didn't win. Well, Manly burned me after putting some faith in them last week, and that is now why I've got them down in five. <laughs> They've also had a couple of injuries out of the weekend, and DCE, why named, pulled up the lane with his ankle. So it'd yeah. be interesting to see if he plays this week. I don't have them at five. I've got the Eels at five. I bumped them up. They've now won, I think, three in a row. Yeah. Uh, Parramatta. And, uh, yeah. Again, the reason I don't have the Eels there, I've got them at six, is they, they play were each other in a few defeated weeks, heavily by Manly yeah. only a I week or so ago. So I get it. But they're consistency, they're starting to show it, but yeah, I, I still want to say a little bit more from Parramatta, but I, I must say they've yeah. grown on me. Well, and I've got the Eels at six. So. Yeah. That, those six to me are in. you got Manly no, at six. You oh, sorry, Manly at six. And that's oh, they, yeah. those six are in. Six is done. Yeah. All right, number seven. I've got the Panthers. I've got the Panthers I had also. them there last week, and they've, just, they've held for me. And... <clears throat> Uh, I've I've kept the Sharks at eight. I I really I could have put Brisbane in, but if gun to the head right now, who beats, um, who wins Cronulla or Broncos? I'd probably have my money on Cronulla. Well, I know they rolled them a little bit, young kids, the other week, but I've bumped Cronulla back in as well to eight, even though I had them out last week. I'm just looking at the Broncos situation, and again, for me, I just find it funny how the media beats things up and carries on like they can fix their halves dilemma. The young kids injured, Tom Dearden. Yeah, right. They've got no one else. Nick Amarima wasn't a half. Nick Amarima got dropped by the Warriors. Exactly. He's not even playing for the Warriors. And then they're carrying on about that. Now they're saying Boyd should go back to fullback because Milford's the only one who can steer the team around. Milford's not a half. He's mm. played better at fullback. Boyd at six is a temporary thing, and I think it's pretty obvious for all to see until they can either find a way to get him out the door, push him into another position, or find someone else. and they find someone else. And they're obviously grooming Corey Pay, who's another young kid they've got there. Yeah. Um, the hooker situation at the moment, I heard one smart thing, and I don't know who said it during the week, but I was thinking more about this last week. Jake Turpin, to me, has done a great job while he's been there considering he's a part-time half. Yeah. Um, but McCulloch, out of nine, doesn't offer as much as Turpin, and I think he's a bit more controlling a player. I think you might be better off putting him at seven, putting Turpin at nine. They're still on nines. 
are still yeah, I, they've still got bloke, blokes playing a makeshift spine. Once Dearden comes back, they'll be fine. At the I, moment, I, you've you've got to get the duct tape out, and that's what they're doing. The word is they're not going to play him for the rest of the year, and I wouldn't. If not he's, not unless you if he's busted, the end and you're you're a chance of making the finals. Oh, but if he's busted, you can't risk him. He's eighteen. Yeah. I get that oh, argument as well. I just take it as growth for the rest of the year. So I've got them out for that reason. Then the Tigers losing Robbie Farah was a huge blow, plus the loss on the weekend. Um, and Moses Zimbai, as far as depth is concerned, we know they're a bit light on that. So that hurts regardless of whether he's a fullback, winger, bench utility. So um, the, the Farah thing in particular is a big blow. So my number eight also is the Sharks off the loss because I think it's purely for them just a consistency thing and ego and getting everything right on the day. Yeah. Talent-wise and roster-wise, regardless of all the drama they've gone through, the injuries they've gone through, they should be in the eight. And anything but is a failure. <clears throat> Looking at the draw, I wrote some of these down. Panthers, they finish off with the Broncos away, Cowboys away, Roosters away. So it's a long road trip heading into the Roosters, which is a definitely hard game. Yeah. And then they come home to play Newcastle for their last game of the season. Mm-hmm. You Which could be for finals, depending on where Newcastle are at. Doubt it. For the Sharks... I've got Newcastle gone. They've got the Dragons this week, who have already had Tarek Sims have off-season surgery, basically. So I think, you know, they're a side that's basically shown that they're almost done. They've got the Warriors at home, Raiders at home. So three home games coming up for the Sharks, and then they finish away to the Tigers at Leichhardt, which could have a bearing on the finals. The Tigers, Manly at Brookvale this week is hard. And then they've got Newcastle at home, the Dragons away... Sharks at home at Leichhardt. The Broncos, they play three home games in a row against the Panthers, Souths and Eels. So it's not an easy run for them. And then they finish off with the Dogs away. Mm. And then you've got the two teams with a flicker of hope in the Warriors, who, as I mentioned earlier, have a very difficult run. The Roosters, uh, the Sharks, Souths and the Raiders. And then on the flip of that, you've got Newcastle who are holding on by an absolute Newcastle three. gone. They, they can't get in. Cowboys, Tigers, Titans, Penrith. Four they need game. to win all four. Yeah, yeah. And they can directly affect two teams above them in the Tigers and the They're Panthers. not winning all four. Sorry. But, yeah, I think they're gone. if you look at their draw, it's capable of what they've showed. They're gone. They look like they're in big Barney rubble. Toodaloo. So, there you go. There's the power rankings this week brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Get on board with Jake and the crew there. They do an outstanding job. 1,800, 20, 29, 30. Talk to them today or get onto the website, www.penrosola.com.au. We've had a few more people inquire. I think Wayne Stoneman was one the other week saying he was going to ring up and get a quote. And another one, Brad Walker, who listens to the show, also looking to get an inquiry there. So it's that time of year. It's not too far off. Have a chat and joke and the boys there. <clears throat> Reviews of the games in the weekend. Boxhead Broncos, Cowboys first one we kick off with. 18-14. Uh, overall, it was a pretty low game. Uh, both teams were pretty average. I thought the Broncos should have been leading by more, considering all the early momentum they generated from their forward pack. They had offloads. They were rolling upfield. I think they had multiple chances. The back end of the half, I don't know what happened. They just lost all sense of direction. Errors, penalties, which was the case for most of the game. And they gave the Cowboys a sniff. And the fact that it was 6 all at half time, I was very surprised. Yeah. Very, very surprised. But second half again, I think the big thing was just errors. Errors really cruel the game. I think it was also a lot of shit, particularly between Maguire and Lodge and a lot of the ex-players between the two clubs that play for both. Someone should have just punched on, got her having done with, because there was enough carry-on and handbags at 10 paces to put you to sleep. Uh, <clears throat> Cowboys ended up jagging the lead when Clifford crashed over and then they kicked the penalty goal and I thought, well, this is Brisbane curtains for the year and somehow, dying stages of the game, offload out the back, I think, from Payne Haas who had an absolute storm of the game and Jake Turpin 
who's been outstanding since he's been in the side in any role he's played, just a bundle of energy crashes over and steals it for him. So why it was very unconvincing and not much better than what I think they dished up against Melbourne the week before. They won, and that's the most important thing. And, you know, you can keep saying whatever you want about the spine and what the media's beating up and carrying on about, but I think it's pretty obvious right now. They don't have halfback. He's injured. No. And they're forced with the Boyd situation, and they're trying to keep blood in these kids and growing things, and I'm sure in the off-season something will happen or a decision will be made in those kind of key areas. But right now it's all patched up. It's a patch job. The only thing that's really consistent or grown as the years gone by, and it's impressive to watch, is that forward pack. That forward pack's outstanding. Lodge and Haas. Haas in particular, like I said the other week, you want to give a comparison to somebody, and I don't like to give it, but his effort, output, energy, tackle breaks, offloads, like just everything, his work rate is Tamalolo level. Yeah. Like he had 25 runs the other night. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's ridiculous. ridiculous. And it's the quality is the biggest thing that doesn't drop. Like 225 runs, 250 metres, seven tackle breaks, offloads, 33 tackles. Like there's no dips, there's no lulls, there's no lack of effort or consistency or you know, he's just constant. He is an absolute machine. Um, Pungai Jr., again, I wish he'd get some of the dumb stuff out of his game, but the power on the offloads, unmistakable when he plays well. He had six the other night. He was a big source of anything they created because they weren't getting much out of their halves. And the other one's David Fafita. I was kind of surprised at the start of the year that Seabold was holding you back a little bit on the bench, but the more and more he's introduced him, he's proven to be dynamic left or right edge. And I think the scarier thing is a lot of guys like to pigeonhole themselves. We've talked about this before, saying, oh, I'm only a left side player because of carry, footwork, etc. He has the ability to carry the football, both hands, fend both hands, step off both feet, big, mobile, powerful. Like All the positives come from their forward pack. And then the bench rotation with Carrigan, off of Hengiawi. I think that's the one thing right now you're looking at going, that's a very good base moving forward. They just need to sort their spine out. Yeah. Cowboys. Yeah. Cowboys, story of the year. Yeah. Making... Story of the year. I, you just say the same thing about them every week. Chance, yeah. lost it late. I said that to them watching it. They, they'll lose this late and they just find a way to throw games away. And, and when they have periods of possession and periods... Uh, I guess where they have dominance, they don't bank enough points during those periods. No, and I would expect better, I thought, the last couple of weeks having Morgan and Clifford back together now, but it hasn't made a hell of a lot of a difference. They missed 47 tackles compared to Brisbane's 10. They generated, I think it was no line breaks, basically. Um, So that kind of says enough right there. They've had inconsistency in their back five all, all year. Mosby got an opportunity the other night. He made four errors. He had an absolute Barry Crocker. Um, I think the only consistent thing for them week in, week out is Tamalolo. thought Maguire is always consistent, but Karma's kind of caught up with him a little bit, like we said earlier in the year. He's probably lucky to get those two fines for the two face rakes. This time it wasn't even that bad, but the judiciary's finally decided to drop the hammer for not taking the hint, basically. Yeah. And I don't really have a problem with it. So now he's going to be sitting out for three weeks for repair defences or contrary conduct. So uh, their year's definitely done. Yeah. Interesting to see what they come up with the next few weeks. And again, plenty of pressure on Paul Green, but I'm willing, as most people have been discussing the last few weeks, I think, to let him go in the next season. And if things don't improve very early on, he'll be under the pump. Absolutely. Massively under the pump. But the big thing for them, they need a clean off-season. Mm. Like, again, I don't want to harp on it this year. Nene McDonald got there, got injured, went off the rails. Felt didn't play for about the first 10 to 12 weeks, and he's probably their best outside back. Ben Barber was gone before the season started. They didn't get drink water to halfway through the year. Kahu has come in, has not stayed on the field. O'Neill looked like he was going to get moved on, played some cup, come back in, played some really good football, then ruptured his spleen. Like, they've had nothing go their way. Yeah. The six to eight weeks without Tamalolo obviously really, really hurt. 
Jordan McLean, just like at Melbourne, can't stay on the field. And then you've got Scott, Cooper, a couple of guys that are well past it, I guess. And I think I heard today that Cooper's probably going to play again next year. And then you've got a guy like Cohen Hess, who in the third year you were expecting a big jump. And he's missed time. I actually think he's been playing okay in that centre role. He's at least showing enough energy to go get some carries and be busy. But you just got to wonder where his head's at in year three because he played Origin. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely some stuff for them to sort out. And then the hooker situation, I don't know what he's doing there. Granville's got a year to go, and he hasn't been playing great. Then they blooded that young black Ruben Cotter, who they really like, and then it finally came out about Robson, which I mentioned in the earlier rounds that they were going to sign him from the Dragons. But he got a four-year deal. So now you've got three guys in the books that I think are all going to be on half-decent coin. Yeah. Because I think they kept Cotter or re-signed him. Granville, you know, got signed after the grand final, so he wouldn't be on bad coin, but probably more than what he's playing to his value. And then you've invested four years into a guy that's only played seven or eight games, mostly not even playing in his preferred position. So they better want to hope they got that right. And I'm a big fan of Reese Robson, don't get me wrong. But I think they've got other areas more so than hooker they need to worry about. They need to turn over some of those forwards and they definitely need some consistency in that back line. Yeah, I agree. But moving on from that one, Warriors against Manly, 24-16. Absolutely outstanding. I think the frustrating thing, like I said, for any Warriors fans out there and us as spectators is why fucking now? Why not when it mattered? And this seems to be the thing with the Warriors year in, year out. When it doesn't matter and the pressure's off, good footy. Yeah. Uh, I thought they played the conditions better. I thought they were outstanding as far as their resilience in goal line and inside 20. Manly had all the running for almost first 15, 20 minutes. I think they frustrated Manly. Manly were more interested they did. in they did. arguing with the referees and trying to get penalties and get involved in the rucks. And the Warriors showed that resilience and fight and got off their edges hard and shut everything down. They roughed up Tommy. They got at Daly Chevrons. They got stuck into their forwards. And they scored against the run of play twice off the back of not having any of that possession. And again, uh, not starting on the, the big chat we had earlier, but I, I thought it was right to let Johnson go. And I think it's been proven that he's not worth a million. I didn't agree with the Nicarima signing. And I'm more disappointed after watching Tavita Harris again on the weekend that they didn't just invest more time well, in him this that, year. That's my point. Because moving if, forward. If you thought that he was the man, then. Just, I just put think, him in and I they're think, not, not going by anyone else. Yeah, but I think they've done what they've always said to do in the past, which I don't get. They buy Kiwis to bring back to New Zealand who play for the New Zealand side yeah, well, to give the whole... Yeah, he plays for New Zealand. Like, I get that. But if you sign him as a bench utility, I could probably agree with it. But I can't agree with it as a $600,000 something signing to play in your halves because I don't think he's in your future. Unless after Blake Green's last year next season, that's the combination they push forward with. But again, I'm still not sold on Nicarima as a full-time half, but Tavita Harris was excellent. I think the biggest thing about Tavita Harris that he proved in the games that he's played as well, he's good defensively. He smoked Tommy on one of those run-throughs there. He caught him on a bit of the blind side, yep, but I think just generally he's a very physical defender. He's a big body. He showed some nice kicks in those conditions. He controlled things well. Um, second half, still with full complement on the field, they gave them no points. Manly's points didn't come until Adam Blair was sinned. And even that was a bit, how you going? Yeah. I don't think he really left his line. Their call was that he stopped on his run. And then Blake Green <laughs> let out a, a very interesting line where he basically told the ref, why don't you just kick us out of the comp? Because <laughs> they feel like they've been hard done by, obviously, recently, and they've had, had some calls go against them, but obviously very frustrated. And Manly got back within two points, but I thought it was only fair and just the way they played in that game when Tavanga crashed over from dummy half to ice things because Manly didn't deserve to get that game off him. No, they didn't. The sin bidding was... Yeah, that's a bit how you go. Yeah. Uh, Ken Marmolo, for me, is close to, if not the best winger in the comp this season. He's, he's the best winger. Absolutely outstanding. The most post-contact meters. He's cleaned up his errors. He's a freak. 
Sheck's a freak. Tavita Harris, as you mentioned, had a very, very good game as well. Uh, I also really like Tavanga. I know a lot of people have criticised him when he has to play that lock or bench role about his defence, but he works his ass off. He's a dynamic player. He plays well above his late, and he offloads, and he came through the grades playing at that hooking position. So whether that's where he stays moving forward, I don't know. But for Manly, I think, as always, their front rowers did a good job. They just didn't capitalise. Mm-hmm. Uh, their edges have been good all year. I think Joel Thompson doesn't want to go to the Super League and seems very keen to stay there. But if he doesn't, I'm sure there'd be a few clubs interested in getting Joel Thompson. He's still playing Please, good football. He's a club right now. And he's happy Easily. to you know not get paid ridiculous overs. I think he would not struggle at all if he was looking for a club. But, um, yeah, I think they did a good job in particular covering DCE and they took Tom out of the game. Anytime Tom swept or looked like he had any space, they were straight onto him. Yeah. So they did a great job there. Penrith Cronulla, 26-20. to 20. Three 18-year-olds on debut. And Penrith, I thought, just absolutely mauled their forward pack, which was really the story of the first half. Their forward pack was not in the game. They ran all over them, dominated defensively. They made errors, and Penrith, I thought, did a really, really good job in particular with uh, the energy that they played with, just disrupting the middle of the field. They moved the football side to side. They changed the point of attack, and they isolated, in particular, Paul Gallant. They got Paul Gallon twice through the middle when they had to pull apart off quick play the balls, and Nathan Cleary, after copying a lot of criticism this year, having to take the reins with a young 19-year-old who was playing only under 20s four weeks ago and only just started playing cup and at his first session with the NRL team this weekend, Matt Burton, uh, I thought Nathan answered the call. Oh, he was. He ran the ball. That was his best he game in first three or four dropouts. Like I said, he got at Paul Gallon and pulled him and injured Fafita apart. That was a spot they isolated. Uh, and I think the big part of this resurgence, again, as we said, is this team has been flipped by all these new players. And again, the new players brought that energy. Matt Burton, for a guy that we only watched playing that 20s game the other way, he was outstanding. And I think the most impressive thing was the King game. Yeah. Um, the first touch impressed me because... Instantly he ran, which is what you want from your half. Nine times out of ten, run the football. Nice left foot, almost went straight through. First kick, put it to touch, set up the try, and just all game. Like The one thing you really struggle with, and we talk about this all the time, with halves coming through, game awareness, game smarts, like just natural ability to read a game where it's at. Nathan kicked ridiculously well the night, but I tell you what, Matt Burton wasn't far behind. Yeah. Um, in all critical stages, he did the right thing with the football at the right time, putting it to touch, slowing things down, trying to ice the game. The only mistake I think he made is he turned out and Sean Johnson once. Other than that, it was a near flawless debut. And I, I think this is the perfect situation for them in the sense of, I don't know Jerome Luai as well as you do, but the whole thing of everyone saying that's the halves moving forward, yep, all bang, well done and good. You never want complacency. And I still think Jerome from the games that I've seen can be rocks or diamonds. I think the fact that they've got this kid now and he's played that well and he's definitely going to be upgraded to the top 30 next year because he's not actually a part of it right now, mm. there's competition. Competition's always good. So oh, well, yeah, I, of course. This is an ideal situation <laughs> again. When you lose a quality half like they're going to in James Maloney and then you've got two players creeping up the ranks and in particular one who comes in with special dispensation and puts a debut like that out there, you've got yourself in a good spot. And I know Spencer only got 10 minutes, but I think you could see from a few of the tackles he made and one or two of those carries, the leg speed, the power. He's, long enough. He's going to be very dynamic. Long enough just to... Steve give Crichton. Me a, give me a little sniff. Steve Crichton was good too. Very aggressive defensively. Made his tackles, worked hard and took that bomb at the end when it needed to be taken. Yeah. All their debutants have done a great job. And I think all those guys we talked about have come in this year. Naden, Reese Martin even, putting him on that edge and having kick out, I thought made them an overall better side. I've yep. said in the past, I love Isaiah Yeo, but I don't think he's dynamic enough or damaging enough to play on the edge. I think he's better as a middle. Those two as your edges looked much better for me. 
they have the ability to bend the line, get between defenders, force offloads, and create a bit of disruption. And Fisher Harris also that move into that middle role. I love Fisher Harris; he's excellent. Yeah, um, yeah. No surprise the Sharks come back at them late with all those young guys in there. Problem is, just that they left it too late. Yeah. Matt Pryor went off early, busted ribs. Fafita played hurt and ended up going off. Uh, you know, that they surged late as we talked about. In particular, Johnson had a big effect on the game. I thought Morris, very, very hard done by when they froze that one and said he was held just from a bloke barely placing a hand on his leg. That, to me, was a, a bit iffy. But at the same time, again, if you want to be in all honesty, much like the manly game, I think Penrith thoroughly deserved the win. No argument. So. No argument. They, they, yeah, again, leaked late, but... Got the job done, didn't they? Yeah. And again, some of those guys that started the year poor have just turned around on the back of all these kids. I think Mansour, his yardage work, his offloads, Tarmow's led from the front. Dylan Edwards, bit of a resurgence the last four to six weeks. He's playing some good football as well. And Yeah. I, again, one of the guys out of the backfield that's led that for them, I think, coming in is Brian Totler. He's completely flipped the energy of their back throw. Mm-hmm. His carries and yardage are absolutely outstanding. For the Sharks, uh, like I said, too little too late, but I thought Wade Graham was good. Johnson, late. Dugan had one of his better games at Fecky. Fecky and Yardage in particular, like his own individual effect on the game, he had a very good game. Yeah. It's quite scary to think how heavily they rely on Bronson Cherry already, though. You know, early ball and opportunity. they just really, really leaning on him, and he's only a 19-year-old kid, so they obviously think very highly of him. They do, yeah. And he's, he's probably the best young centre in the game. Him yeah. and Katoni Staggs, I think, are the two. And they go about it two different ways, that's yeah, for sure. Wow. But, uh, moving on to the next one. This one's not going to hold it air time. Dragons-Titans, 40-28. The two worst defensively ranked sides in the competition, I think it was showed in this game. Well, I thought the Dragons were just as bad. They were just as bad. And the fact that they let you guys back into the game two or three times... multiple chances to win it. Through a Titans. lack of effort. Um, Titans just not good enough. No, no player there is cutthroat enough. No. I think... Same kind of guys every week that we speak about. AJ Brimson was outstanding. He was involved in absolutely everything. I think Kelly still flashes brilliance in attack, but needs to work on his defense. Semi's the one who really let me down this year. I thought he was going to have a big year. He missed parts of the year. I don't know if it was injury. Uh, you know, I think something going on behind the scenes, but he's come in the last few weeks and had a couple of decent games. But yeah, I think, you know, again, moving forward with some of those younger guys that are going to be cheaper for him, I think Whitbread's done a pretty good job. With his opportunities. I think Sam Stone's a good pickup from Newcastle and again only twenty one years old. Between those guys, Kelly and the three we've talked about, Arrow, Brimson, and obviously Fight to Waker, uh, that, that kind of small core group moving forward, I think, have all the right intentions. Yeah. But other than that, we've heard today in the news that basically I think Holbrook and the club have indicated there's ten players who take up about three point five million dollars worth of salary capital off after next year. Their hope is they can get clubs who are willing to offer longer deals to release them right now so they don't mm. play next year. Whether that happens or not with some of the names that have been thrown up, I don't know. But, uh, you know, some of the guys that were mentioned today, Ryan James, Nathan Peets, etc., they're all kind of guys that are coming off next year. I think James would be a little bit hard done by, but the fact he's off an ACL, maybe he's getting closer to 30 and he's big money. Mm. They might be thinking that someone's keen to pick him up and they just want to clean the slate and arrow to be that man to find some money for him. Nathan Peets, he's definitely not worth the money. He's getting paid, I think, probably good for the club, good attitude, etc. But you can't pay six hundred, six hundred fifty thousand for the way he's playing at this point in time. Yeah, uh, I think Proctor and there's a couple other names that I can't really think of off the top of my head. Tyrant Roberts, Dale Copley. I think the majority will be gone. Leilani Latu. But there's not many of those again, like the Shark situation, that I think will find better deals with more years. I think James may be one of the only ones that I'd really look at if I was another club. 
So interesting to see what happens there. That's that's it. to to move them on. You're going to have someone to buy. Yeah, well, like Latu, you're not taking him or giving him extra no, years no. or the money he's getting. Pete's he may take the years, but the money's not going to be the same. Proctor apparently said today he wants to see things through. Will Matthews wouldn't be on big money. And then the couple of other guys like Hipgrave, etc. They're not on big money. Don Copley you wouldn't expect, no. but they're guys that you definitely just want to move on from. I think. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there for the Dragons. Um, story of their season, really. Just in and out of games. I think a couple of their forwards were great. Vaughan was great. Had an absolute blinder. Frizzell had a big game. Sims got a double before going in for groin surgery, and apparently it's been released this week that he's been struggling all year with that issue. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Widop saw the glimpse of his best and what they're going to be leaving there with a couple of try assisting. Massive congratulations has to go, I guess, to James Graham. 400 games across the Super League and the NRL. It's definitely showing the old bugger, he's not moving quite as well, but he's an absolute warrior, a uh, great character in the game and a great clubman. But, yeah, I think he, after the game, even he didn't seem all that enthused. I think it's a very frustrating year for that club in general, and I think it's very frustrating uh, just the way they've been playing. And a lot of their players said the same thing. We, even what you just said, they almost gave that game away again yeah, because they Absolutely. just can't maintain for 80. Yeah. So I'd expect to see more debutants out of them before the year's out. But by the looks of the what I saw earlier, they didn't name anyone brand new. So for the guys they've got off contract, I'm confused. Like I'd be giving Lachlan Tim, even if they're not really that keen on him, and Tristan Sar, anyone that hasn't debuted who's coming off contract that I'm not sure of, give them some games. And much like Tarek, if you've got anyone else, if Frizz has got a problem for now, and even if they want to play their internationals, Christ, if they're busting for surgeries, they've got issues, I'd just be sorting it out right now if I'm the Dragons. And obviously the word is, I know that we've got a lot of fans who love them, very frustrated with McGregor that they're going to do a sweep of the surrounding staff. So he will be on his last legs next year. Hornby, Dan Young, two guys that went straight into coaching gigs after a time and apparently are going to get moved on. Uh, I'm not sure about Mick Crawley, the attacking assistant. He's had a pretty good success rate uh, in the, the roles he's had. He lifted Canberra to being one of the best attacking sides of the comp and he was very, very good in his other role at Newcastle and his 20 gigs. Yeah. Uh, he had some success, so I don't know about his position. But uh, Young and Hornby apparently are going to be moved on. Mm-hmm. And there was some suggestions from some people that Barrett should get that job or get brought in. I don't agree with that, and I don't think he'll be an assistant either. So I think they'll, they'll be staying clear of Barrett. Who the assistants are they bring in, I don't know. Yeah. But again, if I was going to replace McGregor and they do next year, I'd definitely be talking to Fitzgibbon, Adam O'Brien, Demetrio before I talk to Trent Barrett. Yeah. So interesting to see what happens there. Eels, Newcastle. 8 2 at half time. I thought all the energy, enthusiasm, and flow was with the Eels, and I didn't think they'd cashed in enough, to be honest. Yeah. And, and funnily enough, Mitchell well, Moses' goal kicking, which has been stupendous this year, he had an absolute Barry Crocker the other night. Um, but second half, just as quick as they seemed to be dominating that game, Newcastle went bang, bang. Yeah. Two quick tries and found themselves in the lead, which was absolutely insane. And, uh, oh, this, this game really confused me because I honestly thought Parramatta. Kind of dominated the majority of it, and well, they did. The scoreboard they did. really. Didn't I thought reflect. Newcastle were dominant for maybe twenty minutes. Yeah, and they flipped it pretty quickly. Mm. But I think again, Mitch Barnett was the big reason that was kind of led back. Brought lots of energy and intent. Uh, I honestly think that Safidi hasn't been that great after Origin. Mitchell Pearce has obviously struggled to come back from that. Ponga Wai does some brilliant things. If you watch the games closely, he also does some silly things as well. When he got caught out in the line, like when they were thirty out for that kick that Moses put in. As a fullback, you don't need to be there. Yeah. And he also, if you slow-mo that, he stuffed up. He told a man to go to the open side when you organised the defensive line and plonked himself in the line. Full credit to Mitchell Moses. We talked about his development last week. He spotted that straight away. 
and said, all right, we've got four on four on the short side, but you've taken yourself out of the backfield. Yeah. Dinked it over the back and he never even got close <clears> to it. He got exposed. Uh, I thought his effort to stop Guthers from getting that early hat-trick earlier on in the game was an absolute cracker. But again, we talked about consistency with that rule. But um, yeah, I just I think it was crazy when you really looked at this game to think that that was the scoreline, but full credit to Parramatta. They're showing that consistency and building. And for Newcastle, this tough period of close losses has kind of continued. Um, well, how many is that in a row? Six. So they, they lost five or six of the first seven, and then they went on to win six or seven in a so row. So where are we now with Nathan Brown? Well, I was going to say, uh, at this point in time, he I will say one thing to him. I think he really handles everything well as far as getting on the front foot, and he was on 360 last night, basically admitting um, that you know there's been some just a decision he should have made er- er- uh, earlier around player standards or behaviour, so whether that had something to do with the Ramian situation earlier or a couple of guys there, and I'm yeah, not too sure. Yeah, but he wouldn't be saying that if they were winning. No, but I think I know, this there's, whole there's year... just holes in that joint for me. I, they've had long enough, and it's it's not good enough. That's just my opinion. Well, again, where we're at right now, I'm not going to argue anymore about the job side of things. I still stick by what I said at the start of the year that I didn't think their depth was that great. I think they made some good signings, but I still don't think their top thirty. They should be outstanding. They should be in the eight. But, Let, let's think about how poorly the other teams have played. We've seen them in their best form. Well, in their best be. form, they should be. They push the four. I ain't disagreeing. But, yeah, they're at a point now where, again... It's I, like, well, what, what Newcastle is a real Newcastle? This one or the one that we saw for seven weeks? I backed him earlier in the year and I'm still kind of him now, but I still kind of point... It's, for me, it's not about him. It's about... The players, it's just, to me, it's still, just about the whole lot of it. And they've, they've had long enough to make the finals. They've got a good enough side to play finals football. They do. So, again, if that contract is terminated and they decide to move on... Then but, again, I, like you said earlier, and this is... I'd, I'd probably almost argue for him. It's like, well, well who are you going to employ? sitting here now going and I also still look at the players and go guys like But what I'm saying from a holistic perspective is they need to get the bottom of who whose fault is it? Because it's got to be someone's fault. I still think there's guys that don't want to be there. Like the Ramian thing's one thing. Well go. Mate, I I tell you right now. Levi's nose apparently had a joint. Now I'm hearing that Garve got some mail today that Garve's now got a long-term offer overseas and is more interested in not being there. Look, if you're not playing at Melbourne or the Roosters, like Newcastle will be next to the top on the list, surely. Of where so. you want to go. Back in the day, they're a side going the up. They've got Pierce, the they've got Ponga, they've got Clemmer, they've got a good, good hometown, great place to live. I think the summary of where they're at, though, while you mentioned that name, was David Clemmer's actions at the end of the game, which I thought was, he was frustrated, stupid when he frustrated. And of all the people with a forearm, I thought that was dumb. But Manu Mo, Manu Mo, would Dave, punch the piss out of you, Dave. He's been to jail. I know people go. He put holes in your head. Clem's a tough man, but I tell you what, you don't pick Manu Mo. And then after no, the game, Mario Mo even, I think, tried to shake hands with him almost to squash it. And when Clemmer walked off and didn't shake hands, oh, that was poor. Did he um, not shake his hand? They didn't shake, he didn't shake anyone's hand. Wow. They said that he went in after, he cooled down into their dressing room and apologised and shook all those tough hands. I'm not sure if he would have shook Manu's hand. I'm sure he would have been in the shower shadow box and waiting for him. But <laughs> I tell you what, if there's somebody, if he said to me, we straight, Manu Mo, after I tried to fight him, I'd say, yes, sir, three bags full, sir. Mm. Do you want me kit bag, me wallet, me credit card, my phone? You can have all of it. Because Manu's not a man I want to be starting beef with. You're not wrong. But uh, Clemmer's actions in that game summed up everything for me. Uh, I don't know what they do this week or if they make a whole lot of changes, but I still think there's also there's a few guys there. I think they'll definitely move on. There's money tied up in Guerra after his bad leg injury. I think he'll be a guy they moved on. Garvey doesn't want to be there. I think SES, he made it clear at the start of the year that he was wanting to go home and he was home. I think there's a few people... Again, not trying to steer it all away from Brown, but I think a few people have let him down that I expected yeah. to play a bigger part. But 
if they wanted to move on from now, I can't really argue. It's their decision. But Jaden Braley coming next year, I think definitely brings stability to that nine spot. Connor Watson. Well, who do you who do you go? Who do they go to then? Well, again, those names we just spoke about. I'd be talking to Adam O'Brien, Craig Fitzgibbon, or Jason Demetrio. Adam O'Brien would probably be my top candidate, but I also think Demetrio has just been completely swept the last few years because he's been with Wayne Bennett. I still have a real big rap on him in what I've seen. Mm. I'm a big fan of Jason Demetrio. I think Wayne Bennett is as well. So, again, targeting him up, isn't he? Uh, again, when I watched three or four years worth of his coaching prior, and I thought he had less talent and he got good results. Yeah. And that's what you spoke about with the Holbrook kind of thing, the show of the man. <clears throat> he got yeah. the best out of his group. He adapted to his group. He's not a cookie-cutter style coach. And in particular, attacking-wise, he's a very sharp sharp mind. So I think they've got a bigger issue, though, moving forward. That Ponga thing we talked about last week, if his manager's going to push $1.5 million, that's going to ruin their salary cap. Yeah. If you've just got- be saying, he's fucking not playing anywhere half that at the moment. But even again, though, if the best fullback is Tedesco, and then the next one for me is Roger Tuivasa-Shek, and then you could argue maybe Tom and Tom easily are kind of in that kind of spot. No, so you're not Tom even, easily. You're not even the best player in your position. So why, the do you, best. why do you deserve to get paid as the biggest player? And the other thing I think that's been thrown out there a lot is if you want the extra money, you've got to get it corporately with the personality and what you are. But for a salary cap of 9.3, you can't give a guy 1.5. It's ridiculous. No is he a million-dollar player? I think he is. But he's not a $1.5 million right. player. So you how many players running around out there at the moment do you go, you're worth a million dollars in the in the way that they play? Not many. There's probably ten. Not many. But again, like I said, you, the maximum amount of money. You got you got a fucking million dollar player running around in Queensland Cup at the moment. Like Yeah, I I think performance, when we're talking about performance and who who is worth one million dollars. Not I'm not not saying who is earning one million dollars, who is worth one million dollars. I you know, maybe 10, 15 players would, would really you'd say, oh, I would Smith, pay him a million Munster, the way he's playing right yeah. now. Yeah. Mm. All right. I, I like him as a player, don't get me wrong. So do but I. Again, but they, but he's, not, he's not a $1.5 no, no, million dollar player. I, I see two ways of it, though. They took the risk and invested him earlier, and they're saying, okay, but now they're getting value for money. Well, well I'll say this. Cooper fine. Cronk had more impact than Caelan Ponger has had on any game this year by physically not playing in the grand final last year he had more of an impact on that game than what Kalen has in any game this year I'm not going to disagree with that. and I know people point to the flash moments but we're talking about a full Thank eight you. Like, I'm, yeah. and again on the weekend there's a couple of moments where he did some brilliant things but then you have the one where he gets caught in the line or you drop you know, the ball who played in the grand final last year Melbourne and the Roosters yep. who's at the top of the comp this year Melbourne, Melbourne and the Roosters, the Roosters. there's who, something who, in that guys something yeah. in that both lost players and both have just kept yeah. rolling forward. Correct. So for Newcastle, again, you're not in a position... Maybe the lost players at the back end of their squad. They know who the players are that well, get them Slater's into that position. I know, oh, I get that. Yeah. Fucking, they've got Cameron Smith. I'd All pay right. Cameron Smith $2 million the way the influence he has on a team. But, yeah, I think for them, they've got a lot of things that need to be sorted out this preseason and some more moves to be made. If Garve, SES, there's a few guys moving out, uh, they definitely need to get guys in that want to be there and aren't going to disrupt the cart. And I think, again... It's affected guys after Origin. I think, like, again, Safiti hasn't come back the same. Pierce hasn't been quite as good. It's all been a flow-on effect again, though, from that forward pack and some of this off-field stuff. So mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But um, for the Eels, consistency starting to build. Uh, a lot of things have been proven right. The media hammered the club about the way they handled their contract negotiations and the it Brad Arthur pretty. thing. And 
that was a bad idea, etc. I think Brad Arthur's proved so far and hopefully moving forward that he's the right man for the job. I think money-wise, again, I've said this a million times, people complain about Moses getting 800 again. There's plenty of guys getting money they don't. Like Ash Taylor's on a million. Moses and Boyer, when he went over, got about 850 from the Bulldogs, still on similar money at the Tigers. You know, there's a lot of guys that are on big money in the halves. That's the reality of the halves. Benny Hunt, even right now, I'm going to, like, $1.2 million. I'd rather have Moses, the way he's playing for 400 less. Mm. So anyone that made that argument at the start of the year, that's pointless. And I think Gutherson's proven that he's worth the deal that he got too at the moment. Yeah, you're, making, you're making arguments based on what you haven't seen. So Now we're, we're almost at the end of the year. Now's the time to make your arguments because you've got evidence to back it up. Mm. And they've completely proven... At, at the proven... start of the year, and we say this every year, you're, you're making... Uh, analysis based on paper. Yeah, it's based on paper, and you don't know what's going to happen as far as injuries. I feel you, you have no idea. Mm. But I think they've proved a lot of people wrong, and I'm one of them because I picked them for the spoon. I thought they're absolute shit show last year, and I didn't think it was going to get any better. Yeah, because I thought there was too many egos and too much dead wood, and I questioned the character of a lot of blokes that they wouldn't be able to turn around. Yeah, and credit to in particular the coach who's been in the hardest position of all that they're now in the position they are. So mm-hmm. Brad Arthur, I have to give a lot of praise to. Dogs, Tigers, 18-16. The Dogs get another win and upset the apple cart for another finals team. They've taken a few scouts for a few of these sides that have tried to find their way into the bottom half of the last few weeks. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The other night was no different. Uh, this game, similar to the Newcastle Eels one, I thought the Tigers were dominant as far as possession, field position, opportunity. They just couldn't cash in. And the Bulldogs, again, as we've said all year, you know what you're going to get. They're gritty. They're resilient. On their goal line in particular, they give you absolutely nothing. They fight for a bone. Um, and obviously heading into the half, 8-0 up, the Tigers were in a bit of Barney Rumble. LIA pulls out before the game. And Bayer goes on after looking like he was going to pull out only last seven minutes. And then when they lost Farrah, that really, really hurt. Because they didn't carry little on the yeah. bench. They had Elijah Taylor there. They lost a lot of direction. And I thought Brooks and Benji had a lot of opportunities to ice this game. And both ran for over 100 metres and had plenty of touches, but they just could not get anything done inside 20. Yeah. The dogs defensively were outstanding. And them again, like, kind of flipped it on its head against the run of play. They got two quick tries early in the second half. Then you got the intercept uh, where Manny runs away to get it out to 18-8. Under the pump as the game got near the back end, they just refused to die. They wouldn't give up their goal line. They held on regardless of what... The Tigers through. Benji obviously slid that pass through and they got to 18-16 and it looked like we are going to go to golden point after all the hard work they put in. But poor Paul Momorowski obviously misses that goal and the Bulldogs get another scalp. I think we touched on earlier, probably the big thing to come out of this moving forward for them and their finals hopes. Robbie Farris, massive blow. And LIA, I don't know if that was just a one well, And by as well. And then a short thing. turnaround straight into Thursday. So It's, yeah, it's a big blow to them. And I, I think we already spoke about the issue with the two Sin bins, I didn't agree with either of those being sin bins. I thought one, the Garner one, might have been a penalty. It's been a tad late, but I think he was pretty committed to that tackle beforehand. The Chris Smith one wasn't even a penalty. And if that's the standard they're going to set, that's pretty ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, I agree. Bulldog side of things, it's just been the same guys week in, week out, hasn't it? Like, the set starts and effort from Hopper Whitey and Dallin, in particular, has been massive for those guys. 
Uh, and then on the flip side of that, I think Cogger is built nicely into the year. He's just a solid little player, gets his job done, kicks well, defends well above his weight. He did a good job. And I think Napa's starting to play some better footy for him. Jackson's same old, same old. And Tolman coming back in is just tightening up that middle a little bit. I think he's a little bit underappreciated. What you don't see in attack, I think defensively, he makes him a much sturdier side. Mm. So good win on their side of things. Uh, Tigers, Madison was massive. He had 270 metres, 40-something tackles. He's been huge. A great buy for them this year. Um, yeah, I think he was the one that really, really stood out for me. Yeah, he was excellent. So Excellent. But I, I really, really thought... I thought the first half, uh, the Bulldogs were probably unlucky. Uh, they, they just couldn't execute in terms of trying to get over the try line. But second half, they had a period there where they just went bang, bang, bang. And, you know, I know the Tigers came late and that kick, you know, probably cost them a shot in golden point. But I would, I would have had my money on the Dogs anyway. I thought the momentum in that game had flipped. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, moving on to those top four clashes, Roosters Raiders. 22-18, good game, very, very good game. It was a bit of a cracker, this one. Uh, still, Roosters prevail from this one. They got no Cordner, no friend, no Tokiaho, but no worries. And I think the big difference we saw in this game is just a bit of individual brilliance, in particular, James Tedesco. Mm. Yeah, and, and a lack of execution from the Raiders. They had plenty of chances, uh, but James Tedesco, that, that soft touch try, the pass to Tupo on that left edge was uh, probably one of the best passes we've seen this season. Uh, they were... Um, you know, tough conditions. It was cold, full house, 2 p.m., Canberra. Canberra sort of grabbed that underdog tag during the week and the Roosters, you didn't hear a lot of the Roosters and, you know, we both tipped the Raiders, I think, and, and I'll tip them all over again. We Even with five to go, I thought, well, they'll, they'll score here and, and win this. But the Roosters, uh, that's why they're the champs because you've got to beat them, uh, them and the Melbourne Storm. They, they'll drag you out. They'll, uh, they'll give you chances if you're good enough, but you've got to go the full 80 to beat them and Canberra just were just a little bit off in terms of their attacking execution. Might have panicked a little bit. Might have got a little bit of deer in the headlights. Well, last thinking, well, we can be here. They had their chances, didn't uh, they? They did. They dominated possession no territory. They had all the opportunity in the world to get the job done. And yep. again, I think the big thing in the Roosters now too is that if you stop Josh Hodgson, that they struggle to generate points from elsewhere. Mm. Whiten is a runner, and he was great in this game. He had 170 metres. Plenty of early metres. Ran strong. Did his job, but again, still working on the ball-playing side of things. Charles Nickel-Clogstad's only had one assist all year from the back. Great set starter, great yardage, good energy, always pushing up around the football, but he's not a natural ball player. No, he's not. And then you've got Caesar again, a guy who's not really physical as a half, doesn't really run the ball and doesn't engage the line, which again makes it really hard by his kicking game, which he does have five assists, but I look into that vaguely because it is mostly off kicks in my opinion, Yeah, who doesn't generate a lot. So all of it comes from Josh Hodgson. And he got two again on the weekend. The, the late delayed grubber that he came up with for the whitehead try late was a pearler. Like the vision, the stop start, like just getting people to hold off and him basically doing whatever he felt like. He's a quality player. Mm-hmm. Uh, their forward pack as well, especially after conceding that early try where they got burned by Radley and Tedesco getting at that right edge of the Canberra Raiders who bit in hard. Uh, their response in the second phase they generated, in particular through Tapina Papali. Papali this year has just been next level. Oh, he's he, been outstanding. Especially his last three weeks. He's been huge. And again, in origin, I thought he was close to the best forward in the whole series. Yeah, a healthy Joe Tapine is showing what he showed at the back end of last year as well. Like those guys coming to the middle with Bateman, who's got that second phase in the footwork, they generate a lot. That forward pack, along with their rotation, which does a good job off the bench, and Josh Hodgson are all doing their job. And their back five is fairly solid no matter who they've rolled through there. I think, the, again, the big question for me, as I said in the finals in those big games, 
The defense is there. They're tough enough. They get enough out of all areas. It's just creating enough points against those sides like the Roosters and Melbourne who aren't going to give you as much defensively. Yeah, They've done exactly what I said and beat everyone below them this year, which is great. That's put them in the position they're in right now, but they still haven't beat any of those three sides that I think they're going to have to go through to win the competition. Agree. I'm not saying they can't. They definitely can, but they need more creatively to help out Hodgson from the 1-6-7. and seven. That's the big thing to take. Uh, the pass that Tedesco threw when he was falling down was a cracker. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Latrell Mitchell. Out on the left-hand side to, uh, yeah. to Tupo. And there's those individual Belter. efforts we're talking about. Like Latrell getting that ball, knocking three or four blokes over and finding his way to the try line. Tupo, I thought that really hurt him on the half when they put that kick off the stop-start play and he jumped over a partner. And he, again, yeah. is a guy this year whose form has been incredible after being patchy for a few years. I think he's been right up there with one of the best wingers in the competition. Yeah, Yardage work, finishing. And Angus Crichton, what a time to start playing good football at the right time of the year. His last few weeks have been his best. And again, at the right time, get Corden back, get Tokyo back on board, and then friend hopefully is ready for week one to go. You've got to time your run. And right now, if things all work out, they're definitely going to be there when the, when the drums are beating. Yep. So move on from that one. Uh, Melbourne, South. Fast start, 12 zip, and I thought they were rolling at will. Particularly the starts they've been getting from Jesse and Asafa Solomon are absolutely incredible. Munster was just probing and picking away at that edge where Roberts and Reynolds were playing. Uh, when they got up to 12 zip, I thought it was just blatantly obvious that they were missing their size to the middle and they can be picked apart. But after that, Melbourne kind of shut down for a bit and had a real ill-disciplined streak there where they got penalised eight or nine times in a row. Yeah. Um, Seahawks grabbed a try and went in a halftime at 12-6, which I think Bellamy would have been filthy with considering how they started the game and dominated. Second half, the early bidding to Felice, and then they conceded, got back to 12-all. It was kind of a bit of an arm wrestle for a bit there, but Munster put his stamp on the game. I think he's been okay since Origin or during that period, but he hasn't had a real big game. But yeah. when it mattered, he finally showed uh, a bit of nous and a bit of form. And obviously, bouncing off his left foot a couple of times and getting through to score, then putting that kick through for Croft, that kind of iced the game for Melbourne. But no Pappenhausen. No Hughes, no Brandon Smith, who's been huge off the bench. Um, they lost Olam early with a broken nose, and their fourth fullback for the year, Nico Hines, who's been killing it for the Queensland Cup side. But this just goes again to what we've talked about, about coaching and development and identifying players. This is a guy who played 20s for Manly, played as a six, got moved on after that, wasn't contracted any team. I think he played for the Mackay Cutters for a year. At six again was okay. Melbourne have picked him up, put it in their feeder club at Sunny Coast, given him, I think, a, a pre-season. Converted him to a fullback, put some work into him, and now he's played first grade. And they just keep finding players or picking up other people's trash or things that are overlooked, and they find the right character and the right kind of people, and they turn them into useful parts. And again, if he went somewhere else, I don't know if it would work or if he ever ends up playing first grade. But it's just what they do. Yeah, exactly They find right. these guys, and they, they turn them into useful parts, and a lot of people overpay for them or buy them later on. They just don't work anywhere else. But I thought he had a great game. I really did. Yeah, no, he did. But Absolutely. Again, those front rows in particular and the way they've been starting games. Uh, Nelson's playing with fire, though, a little bit the last few weeks, just with forearms and elbows and some of his tackling stuff. I think he might need to yeah. look out because he's got carryovers. Smith has always controlled things. and I thought Croft actually had one of his better games considering. But, uh, yeah, this week I think they've got everyone back on deck. For South, I think it's simple as what we said. You get the forward pack back. That brings Cook into the game, which then gets him probing. Johnston hanging around him, which frees up Cody Walker. And off the back of that, when they're plodding forward, when Reynolds is healthy, which he's not at the moment, he just picks teams apart with his kicking game. 
So they need those big bodies back on the field, and they, I think they do need to get Johnston back because there's just a link there between those three guys through the middle of the field, in particular Cook, Cody Walker, and Johnston. And Johnston's been off for a long time now. Mm, it's worrying, isn't it? So, yeah, I'll have to wait and see what happens on that side of things. But fan questions, Brock. I don't think I could have posted them up any later. So we probably won't have as many this week. That's all good. We'll see how we go. I got some out of the inbox first that I copy and pasted earlier with a few people. Kevin McCormick says, if you've already covered this, but what's your thoughts on the strip ball? Which is one of the reasons I wanted to leave it. Personally, he doesn't like it, but if we intend on keeping it, he says, can we tweak it? For example, if any stage there's more than one tackler involved, the ball can't be stripped. Second question, does a club get any benefit when their clubs are involved in state of origin? Is there any sort of salary cap relief? No, there's not. There's zero. no salary cap relief, mate, unfortunately. And zero even if you get injured, relief. there's no relief there either. The bonus is that players get 60K or whatever it is, isn't it? They get 30K a game. So go. players going... So they're loving that. They get extra money. The clubs are affected for a bit, so it does kind of hurt them. But a lot of people will argue, again, that evens out the comp and we get to see debutants during that year and players we wouldn't usually uh, see. The strip rule, you like it, I don't like it. I think it brings, an element, like a lot of people are saying, there's not enough ways to get the ball back at a dying time or create a contest. And in the last few minutes of a game, I'd like to think there is a way other than being able to just take five tackles for a kick. And the strip rule is one of those ways. I don't like teams I, like, going I, like, for I thought we had it right last year. Set. Last year it was that, you know, if you if someone fell off and it wasn't one-on-one and then someone else mate, went in with a one-on-one, previously that was been classed as a two-man I tackle. I hated it, that it you could shit. fall off and then no, but it now, wasn't one-on-one. No, last year it wasn't. Last year they eradicated that. They said that as long as it's one-on-one, it doesn't matter. Um, but the way they're doing it now, they're sort of going in and then they're dropping off at the last minute. I, I don't know. I, look, if we're going to keep it, I'm happy with it. I just think it makes the referee's job harder. It's giving them more things that they've got to look at. It means they're going to make more mistakes. So if we're happy with more refereeing mistakes and subjectivity in terms of decisions and discretion and all that sort of stuff, then let's keep it. But if not, I'd like to see it simplified if, if it could be made a little bit easier. Yep, fair enough. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I thought the previous rule I didn't like that when there was multiple bodies and people obviously didn't intentionally fall off, but when they fell off and got to a one man and they pulled it and they said, oh, there was already blokes, but I hated that. Mm. To me, that's just not common sense at yeah, all. Yeah, no, I agree. Now it's a lot more intentional, yes, and people are trying to drop off. My big gripe with this and the reason I like the rule is there's too many blokes with shit carries. And in the past, we saw penalties for strips and rates yeah, for guys yeah. that just used to let go of the football. So well, for me, you my argument what? is... I just think now... You need to be accountable for the ball. I think now, just let just make it a free-for-all. Well, either way. But my biggest issue is in the past couple of years, like people just let go of the ball. Mm. Or they've got a shit carry, and as soon as they look at the ref for half a second, they just blew a penalty. To me, this brought accountability to having to hold on to the football. Yeah. And some blokes just have disgusting carries of the ball. So I quite enjoy it. It's fair. So, yeah, that's my big thing with it. Mick Cooper says, you've played in and coached under a few clubs in various systems now. Without delving into specifics, what are the differences in culture and desired playing attitude that a Cleary or Maguire look for? How does it affect you as a coach developing players in the juniors? Well, Cleary's a lot more laid back. Maguire's more intense. But I think from a developmental point of view, they want similar things. Just about every coach wants similar things. I mean, there's only small differences, I guess, and... Uh, I think the difference that well, I'll tell you from a from a Tigers point of view. Uh, well, from a from a Penrith point of view, I was there uh, and I was there for a long period of time. But the the best developer and the best system that was brought in was under Ivan Cleary by an absolute mile, and that's that's also talking about the start of the Griffin era because I, I coached there for the first year of Anthony Griffin's tenure as well. Uh, I thought that 
Ivan's the, the stuff that he puts through the development systems there, and the, that's the proofs in the pudding with the players that they're pumping out there. However, the quality of play that's going into those systems is a lot higher because the Penrith Junior League is a lot stronger than a lot of junior leagues, even just in Western Sydney and the Sydney Basin to start with. Uh, but from a Tigers perspective, Ivan didn't really get the chance to put a development system in place. He sort of came in, um, you know, well, who got sacked? Was it Jason Taylor that got sacked? And he sort of came in at the back of that year, um, then coached the following season. So he only really had one off-season where he was the head coach. And during that time, first-grade side hadn't been performing, so a lot of his focus was there. So it didn't – not a lot of stuff really trickled down. Some some stuff did. However, Michael McGuire came out to a few sessions, and you were part of that as well last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that he spoke to me about is just wanting tough players, building resilient players. And you know, I think that's probably something that at Penrith we didn't really have to – put through our development system because we didn't need them to be resilient because if they weren't resilient, there was someone there just to take yeah, the spot. there's enough numbers there Whereas to put it, pressure on you. Correct. At West Tigers, it's different because they don't just, they don't, we don't have the numbers. No. Right. Have the Between Balmain and the West and Group 6 and all the areas, the competition's out of strong. Mm. There's not as many kids. So there, there is... You've got to work with what you've got and you've got to build on what you've got. So Whereas at a Penrith, at like Penrith you're you're probably move on. Metal sharpens metal or steel sharpens... Whatever yeah. they have, they froze that coin. So you could have... 10 good front rowers or five or six good halves or, yeah. you know, you could have multiple players in multiple positions who... Yeah. Well, for example, I've seen I've seen years and there's, I think there's been two occasions when Penrith and Parramatta used to have the Western Academy. They dropped players back to a, a second team, essentially, yeah, that was made up of the cuts of Penrith and Parramatta. They beat Parramatta mm. twice in their 10-year existence, which just should not happen, but it just shows you the quality of the kids that are coming out of the Penrith system. So that's, that's essentially player... 30 to 45 from Penrith system uh, that would not get a run with the Panthers. They go elsewhere, and they're beating Parramatta, well, beating Parramatta's first team. The even better thing for Penrith right now, you saw one of the players on the weekend, is now they've got that foothold out well, Brian in Double was Orange. Brian Toll was, was, a, was a Western Academy player. Mm. And he's a kid that Dane I Blore, pushed Western Academy player when we were doing development that time, and they said the same thing that I hate, that oh, he's not big enough. Mm. Well, guess what? He's playing first grade now. He looks big enough now. He's got... More heart, and he's got a bigger heart than half the blokes. Dean was playing. another one. They always said he's too small. There's a few that missed out uh, when elsewhere, but I just think, yeah, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference, like you said, and a lot of core skill stuff. There's not a like lot that. of secret. Like people, people sort of, you know, a lot of people ask me, oh, what sort of drills do you do? And it's like there's no NRL drill book. No, a lot of the stuff you guys are doing at junior rep stuff, stuff and and at uh, you know at your club coaching. Core skill, tackle technique, games. It's, it's all NRL stuff. It's just at an NRL intensity. And they, they train it for longer and Repetition. at a higher intensity more times a week than what anyone else does. That's why they're the elite. Yeah. Repetition, repetition, repetition. They get all the core stuff down and that just becomes second nature. Then you can move on to more complicated layers to game. Yeah. So. Mick Cooper. Oh, sorry, that was just Mick Cooper, though. He also says, also, when's this shindig happening in the Super Saturday? Why not the 31st of August, round 24? It's Newcastle versus Titans, Melbourne versus Manly, and Panthers versus the Roosters. Let's get it going. 31st is no good to me. What do you got on the 31st? Yeah, I got some stuff on. Well, there you go. First birthday. First birthday. Gender reveal. Well, we're all, I think this weekend and the weekend after, I'm going skis. So this year might look like a ride off again. I told you. It never happens. 
well, what are we supposed to do? We've got full-time jobs. What are we we've supposed got families. to do, mate? Look, mate, we've got to pay the bills. You've got a wife and a kid. I've got a missus who's a ball Don't buster. Buy no. You've I've also brought got, me in there as well. You've got a missus. She doesn't get enough stuff. time, apparently, mate. There's too much football in my life. And I'm just like, leave me alone, all right? I love football. Good times. Oh. Mick Webb says... We could do a grand final day. Buy a grand final we'll go to the grand final. We'll go to the grand final early and we'll get on the Terps. Yeah, well, that's a possibility. People can go to the Novotel, we'll go over there. We'll just go there. That's right. But at least you know that's the day we're going, 100% guaranteed. We're going. That's right. Uh, Mick Webb says he's sick to death of hearing Talis and others sticking it to the chooks over crowd numbers. They are wrong. Dead set wrong. And he sent through a graph from one of the websites with the average home attendances. And for average home attendances, Brisbane is number one with 29,000. Newcastle, 20,000. Third is the Storm, 19,000. The Roosters are number four with 18,000. So if you're looking at Sydney... Based clubs, they're just ahead of Parramatta, uh, but yeah, they're basically ahead of all the Sydney-based teams. So he's pretty angry, obviously, on average home games. Uh, taking into account a few of those games this year, one of them would have been at Magic Round, and the other one at Adelaide. I'm pretty sure they got a decent crowd, but mate, I don't know why anyone talks about crowd numbers because plenty can't pull crowds. The Sharks were only saying the other week that if they don't pull 13, I think it's just Talis's go-to joke. Yeah, I think his big ones just the Roosters have no fans, but yeah, mm. if you actually delved into the numbers kind of beating his head against the wall in that one. Most teams in Sydney struggle to get numbers. We go to Penrith. When Penrith's rocking, there's a good game on, you'll pull a ripper crowd. Yeah. When it's cold and shitty and windy and a crap team comes, people don't go. Well, I'll tell you the difference in three weeks. They play the Titans at 6 o'clock on a Friday and there was 6,000 people there. Yeah. Three weeks later, they're playing Canberra. Sunday Arbor. Sunday Arbor. There was 25,000 there. It was a ripper. Uh, He also says, and the juniors, we get our kids young, develop them and turn them into stars. Cordner, Latrell, Manu, Shaq, Satili, for example. Where did these boys play their flag, mats, etc.? At the Roosters. Put the they record. They don't play Harold Matthews there. I'll, I'll jump in there. They, they get them at SG. Yeah. They get them at 18s. Yeah. Put the record straight. You have pull over the fans these days, boys. Well, I don't know if we've got that much pull, Mick, but I do agree with what you're saying in the sense of I have the same argument for Melbourne in play development. People go, oh, that's someone else's juniors. A junior is someone that you work with and develop and put into first You get them young enough, that's right. The Roosters, you... the Roosters for years have been a good development club. They've got good people there. And they do... People don't like the Roosters and people don't like Melbourne because they win. Simple. But you've got to do it how you've got to do it. They don't have a big junior base. They make the most out of the four clubs they've got and then if not, they usually watch Harold Mats, as Brock said. They find some kids, they target them, they bring them together for ball. And they work with them. Well, put it this ball. way: the Roosters, Harold Matthews ran last this year. Yeah, they ran Stone Marvellous. Where their SG ball come? Though, I bet they're on the top eight. I'm not actually sure they were. Eight the year before that, I'm year. pretty they, sure they won it. They're in the grand before. final or something. So they're uh, very this good. year. Yeah, this year they struggled in SG ball. But they generally have a glimpse at the 16s first, and then they go out and find but some kids and they look, coach they, them up. They didn't finish uh, in. You know they weren't horrendous in ball, no. Nah, but yeah. they're usually very strong in ball because they they'll. Um, we played their ball recruit. side, and I've I've got a few kids in my head. There's one in particular that I really really liked, and here's a name for you, uh, Talis Duncan. He was a year young. He was a lock forward. He was as skinny as all hell, but he was tough. He was fast. He had footwork. He had a pass. The full skill set. Once he physically <clears> developed and he gets coached up by the coaches and the system they've got there, I've got no doubt he'll be a first grader. Mm. But again, the system there creates players. They found Latrell Mitchell again out of the Harold Matt set up at Central Coast, who's one the Newcastle should have had. Well, I worked there, as you know, for three months, a short period of time, and I was going to work with a basically a 20s transition squad. Never got off the ground, but um, during that time that I was there, I you know, got to know some of the philosophies and talk to some people there and um, and just learn, look, look at how they operated from a developmental perspective, and it's just different. 
they finished tenth in Harold Matthews uh, in SG Ball this year, equal with Penrith, who missed the eight. So, uh, but the previous previous season, I'll tell you. Yeah, well, Mick, all I can previous say season in twenty eighteen. Is that listen the people that make the Roosters the same... finished first in SG Ball? Yeah. They won the minor premiership. But like we said, they do a good job targeting players from Mats onwards, and they develop them. And it, what matters is who gets the first. Twenty seventeen fifth. A lot of the guys. Ball. A lot of the guys they pick up, some wouldn't make it to first grade at other clubs. There's obviously some individual talents like Latrell or that who anyone could turn into a first grader, but they put the polish on these guys. Yeah. And they play better for the Roosters or turn into winners for the Roosters because the way the club, like you said, develops them, coaches them up. No different to Penrith, no different to Melbourne. Those better junior systems, they it do a just, good job. In particular, the last sort of three or four years, they've really put a focus on their 18s. Yeah, because like I said, Matt's is a bit of a gamble going off club football and a lot of big things like you know, that. They, they rolled us in a 20s grand final. Mm. By 18s, they've had time to go to junior carnivals, school rep sides, all those bits and pieces, and identify some key players and areas that they need. And, and whether people like it or not, go and look at the catchment that they've got to work with. They've got no one. Yeah. So they need to they need to adapt. They need it's they like just Melbourne. go about it a different way. Exactly right. Melbourne have got a foot. And Melbourne now, I think, are really building a nice catchment down there. They're they're doing some good things, building rugby league in that area. The Roosters are never going to have that because mm. that 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 junior league in that area now is the but demographics also, change. They've also planted themselves on the Gold Coast, our Sun Shiny Coast. No argument. Great relationship. No argument. And it's a big junior league, so yeah. they're pulling players from multiple spots, but they're there juniors. It's their coaching. It's their yeah. talent development. Anyway, move on. Brett Sims, where to for the dogs? Uh, where's the best under-20s players coming through? Looking for a game. First grade hooker, prop centers. Thanks, as always, for a great show. And if we ever thought about doing Facebook Live, we used to do some Facebook Live stuff. Uh, I'm just not really a big fan of putting out two giant melons on. Well, we need to do... I, I want to do YouTube Live. You're not a big fan of it. But well, I just think... Why if, like, um, you're listening to us or you watch? What do you want to watch us? What are we doing here that's interesting to watch? Yeah, I don't know. That's my comment. Have a. Uh, I'd be interested if people if we're on YouTube live. Let us know. Are you interested in it? Not interested in it. But uh, Brett, as far as players, the Bulldogs are obviously looking at lots of areas. I think the hooker is definitely an area they need to address. They're looking at Appy Corrissio right now for Manly. I think that would be an upgrade for the right price. Luke Thompson's one they should target from St Helens. Well, best prop in the Super League at the prop, moment. Prop is a need. There's no doubt about that. Uh, as far as what's available in the coming off season, there's not a whole lot. I wrote down some names. If they were looking for a young guy to keep developing, Kai Rodwell, who's playing New South Wales Cup, who's still 20s eligible at South, is a guy that I'd probably look to steal. He's one that I'm a big fan of. Uh, Welch, for the right price from Melbourne, might be one they look to stash that Parramatta are interested in. Now that he's had that injury, if they could get him at a good price, he wouldn't be a bad person. Centers, everybody already knows, they've had a meeting with Jesse Raymond. Again, for the right price and in best form, he'd definitely help them. So. Mm. There's some players they're looking at right now. They looked at Reese Robson, who's just gone up and signed there. And I found out today they signed Dean Britt, who I think has been playing pretty good at South. He has been playing. And his well. old man played there, didn't he? Yep. Britt, so there you go. They're just building up a nice little core group there. They'll free up some money, and I'm sure in the next two seasons or so, they'll do the right thing, hopefully, with their salary cap and be a strong club again. Just have to wait and see what happens there. Adam Chandler said, when did the obstruction rule change? It changes every week. Now, again, I don't really know what to make it. Like, interpretation, God knows. It's Interpretations like change from game to game. Yeah, that's a hard one to keep a track of, in all honesty. Yeah. Daniel Ryan says, can you explain what is meant by the term shape in attack? Cheers. Well, the shape is just the, I guess, the structure of the players who are standing from mm. the sideline to where the ball is played. Essentially, are they are they deep? Are they flat? Are they standing in different formations? That's sort of the shape, I guess. Yeah. 
and for backline movement, it's basically yeah. analogy for backline. Yeah, movement. and shapes like a, just basically plays that you run or back like you're saying backline shapes generally run off that long side trend that we talk about when they land on a twenty tram they play to a long side which is from twenty tram to a sideline where they run double blocks or a block with a cutout or a bloody X Y where they cross someone dip under a double lead. There's all sorts of basically just a bunch of moves put together. They have variations. They just call it shape. Mm-hmm. Different kinds of shape that they throw at attacks. Forrest Bell, what is the point of a scrum shot clock? It goes off constantly. He's never penalised. I can't recall a single penalty once this season, despite it going off every game. Use it or get rid of it. Is it used in the lower grades or just in the NRL? No, it's not used in the lower grades. No, just NRL. And again, you generally hear it go off because they call scrum clock off when they're trying to pack it properly. So it's almost ended up being a pointless endeavour, mate. So mm. not complaining there. Jay Fleming, does Mad Monday still have a place in the NRL? We're yes. sure the camera phones out there. Surely it's not worth the risk. Well, goes back to what I said earlier, Jay. Players just need to be smart enough not to fucking record stupid shit they're doing. Yeah, that's There's right. nothing wrong with going out and celebrating. It's just, are you dumb enough to record things that clearly are going to get you into trouble and risk your career? And some blokes clearly are stupid enough to keep putting themselves in harm's way and can't put brains in statues, unfortunately. But at some point, they have to learn. Yeah. But you can't tell players that they can't go out and enjoy themselves and have to lock themselves up in the preseason for a couple of months, Hannibal Lecter style, and just wait till football rolls back around. They have to live a life. They've just got to be smarter. Matty Hall, possibility of bringing the NRL relegation promotion kind of deal, winner of the cup moves up. No. Would it be difficult? No, it wouldn't no, work, mate. doesn't work. doesn't work. We, we struggle with clubs surviving in finan- the bloody NRL. financially viable enough to come in. And no. there's a licensing problem. The, the 16 NRL clubs have a license. And you restraint can't. of trade for players to tell them they have to move. Yeah. Like we can't even get a, a draft or anything that people propose now for the top 16 that we have, so couldn't do it. Robert Temesvary says, I'm not the passenger of the week, but here's an obvious one. Darius Boyd, one run for one metre, 19 tackles, two misses, one kick for 14, 80 minutes. I didn't even think that was possible. Also, Luke Garner just got given guilty for his late hit. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, they've the set the standard the now. Gone, the game's gone mad. Yeah, they've set that standard. So we anyone... need a complete overhaul in the off season. The judiciary should just be a bunch of people that are competent enough to know what the fuck is going on on the field. Because there's just people in there that have just got no fucking clue at all. None. Yeah. How how Garner like gets suspended for that? Yet last week we had Sam Burgess clearly KO concussed. Moylan was out. Doesn't even get suspended. No. Michael Gordon got fined two thousand dollars. And Jake Trebojevic dumps on on his head, got zero. Got nothing. And yet, Michael Gordon gets fined $2,000 for walking off the field too slowly. Sam no. Burgess gets off $900. Oh, fuck. Like, can someone explain it to me? I've yeah. got no idea. Just looked it up here. So he's suspended for one match. He failed to beat the charge. And he's going to have 35 carryover points. At so how long has he got out? Just a week. But he got Still. carryovers because he didn't win the charge. Elliot Whitehead avoided suspension, early guilty plea after dangerous contact charge. Uh, well, that's not really. The, he's incident with Joey Manu, but he has 75 carryover points. Brian Kelly avoided suspension, early guilty plea for a dangerous throw. Tyron Peachy was fined $1,100 for a grade one KLSI tackle on Corbin Sims. Chris Smith was charged, dangerous contact, but is free to play. He took the early guilty plea. Uh. He didn't fight the charge. I would have liked to have seen him fight the Garner charge. went and fought the charge. And lost. And Josh McGuire obviously took uh, his early plea for the contrary conduct and got three games. That wasn't for an eye gouge, was it? No. Nah, they, they just got him because he'd been fined twice for That similar. was like 
the stupidity of the Josh McGuire thing is that that was nothing compared to the first two. That is and he's called, getting suspended yeah, for this. But they're getting him, I'm trying to say it's contrary conduct because they basically take the uh, hint with the first and two. And he pulled, he pulled his hand. I didn't think it was that bad. Like, I, no, I'm not going to defend Josh McGuire. I understand that. But I thought he pulled his hand away knowing, like, oh, fuck, I've, well, I've done it. I get it. Put his hand in then realised They should have oh, just got him for the first one. Should have gone for the Munster this one. This is stupid. Munster one was the worst That's one. right. Give him three weeks for that. You can live with it. And he probably learns his lesson. I, mean, I don't know. Well, there you go. That's anyway. a bit of a live update, having a quick look on some of the judiciary stuff while we're there. Uh, James O'Furr, if you're Anthony Seabar, what's your spine for next year? They've been diabolical in attacking sets, and who do the Knights try and sign for next year, if any? They need to let go of some dead wood. Well, for Seabold, Dearden's the big one. He needs, he needs to get rid of Boyd out of his key positions because he's he's not up to it. Well, they need to get rid of that contract full stop. Until that happens, they're going to struggle in the spine. And there's Dearden to come back. Turpin, McCulloch, they've got to figure out which one of them is going to play nine. Obviously, Seguiara does a pretty good job off the bench as well. You can't have three hookers in your squad. No, gives him good depth, though. That doesn't work, so something's got to give Seguiara will be playing Queensland Cup next year, I'd imagine. Milford. Or they'll, they'll ship him and he'll play somewhere else. He'll go to another club. Yeah. Unless they're trying to move McCulloch behind the scenes. I don't know. Well, McCulloch had an option and he took it up, so he's not going anywhere. For I'd love to see I'd love to see McCulloch um, go down to the Gold Coast. I'd, you, know, you know he's just going to ply away and Do his make job. his tackles. You know, he's an origin origin uh, level player yeah Newcastle they've obviously sorted out the hooking situation they've got Jaden Bradley coming I think they need to make a decision on whether Watson's going to play bench hooker or play in the six mate uh, as far as letting people go SES is going to leave they've pushed him out and he doesn't want to be there there's now talk that Garvey wants to go and they want to push Guerra out because he's on a decent wicket and after his big leg injury at the start of the year he'll throw up a fair bit of coin as to who they go chasing, the only another name I've really heard is they're looking at Kurt Capewell from the Sharks, which would be a good signing. Would be a good signing. Good footballer. Paul Fernandez, what did you make of Nelson's tackle on Dean Britt? How can that be missed by the on-field refs, bunker, match review committee, etc.? Well, again, oh, it's because he's from Melbourne. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All Melbourne's fault. Yeah. But no, mate, I, again, I have no idea. Consistency again on a lot of things. I, I saw other late hits, like I said, on the weekend in games where I looked at and was like, wow that weren't even flagged up. Yeah, no, they missed charged. it. Simple, simply, they missed it. Oh, yeah. They missed plenty. They missed a lot of stuff. Then they pinged poor old Chris Smith. Rob Carter's talking about those sin binnings as well around Garner and Smith. And do you see a time where any contact tackle to the back of a player will be an instant oh. penalty? He'd hate to see this, but the NRL seems set on getting rid of this type of tackle, no matter how it's timed. This type of tackle? What's this type of tackle? What are we saying? Late tackles? Shot the back. Full stop. Yeah, I... If someone's blind and they're holding the football, you still got to be able to tackle someone. That's right. But like you said, they, they seem so. So any tackle in the back, we're saying whether they've got the ball or not, is not allowed. Is that what we're saying? Well, it'd be crazy. Or is it think. when the ball's the ball's gone? Oh, I think he's just because the ones on the weekend general, were almost simultaneous or just after the ball's been released, well, and then they've speed, made the it's tackle. Near impossible to so what happens if they dummy dummy? Exactly. Then you have a good shot and a good read. And the other one is like on both of those particularly um, the Ryan Madison one, Ryan Madison is running into the defender. That contact is unavoidable. Does that make sense? Yeah. If he, if he, even if he passes or doesn't pass it, he's still not going to be able to stop his body. Mm. Neither player is. There, there, there's always going to be contact there. Yep. I disagree with you. Uh, what do we got here? Darren Corn, has journalism hit rock bottom? I understand they need to sell papers to run print on a photo. That happened last year is yeah. rubbish. Why did Buzz have to release it? Why not just send it to the integrity unit and let them handle it well? Because it sells papers, yeah. You answered your own question, man. I, I don't like it either. We're not overly interested in it. We just love the game. 
what happens between the lines, not what happens outside the lines. But yeah, it's I guess it's the world we live in. I, we're more influenced by America than what people want to admit. We're just becoming just as TMZ as what happens in America. But yeah. if the papers don't sell, then they don't put it in the papers. Yeah. And so I guess there's the an appetite the for it. Maybe not for us, mate. We're, we're probably the minority, mate. No, we're not that's interested. But again, this is where the money comes from. Papers, print, right. TV. So you anything like they can get it. their hands Stop on. Stop buying it. Good, bad or in between. This is what pays for the players, unfortunately. But I'm not actually sure that a lot of the people that consume this stuff are actually rugby league fans. No, I think people just like the drama. That's what I mean. Yeah, I think... James Keenan, he's already brought up what we talked about with Darius Boyd, but he's got the extra layer to it that we talk about. Do you think he's just lost his passion in enjoying a paycheck while it lasts? No. I like Darius Boyd. I think Darius Boyd has been a fantastic player. I think he's down on confidence. I think he may be injured or he's not confident in a prior injury. I don't think he's confident in his own body. I don't think he's lost his passion, Um, but I I don't think it's really set in yet. I also don't think he's... Like, from a cohesion perspective, he fits with the guys that are there. He just looks awkward on the field, whereas in years past, he's just looked like he's looked very clear in what his role is. Looks a little bit confused, a little bit down on confidence. Yeah. Adam Ngaro, he's asked again about people dropping out of the tackle. Should it start go back to the original one-on-one only? Well, the thing problem we I have... We spoke about it. I don't like the original one-on-one in particular for the reasons we said. When players drop off and it was one-on-one, they still pinch you for it. And Chris Hayward, do clubs make any money when they lose a big-name player they've developed or just cap space? They don't get rewarded for it, mate. This is what Canberra blew up about the other year yeah. when they had Milford. There should be guys. fees. They should have something for, you know, and Penner for another one who would make an absolute killing. Uh, Travis McMahon says, can't we just sweep things like the Sean Lane thing under the carpet? Concentrate on the game. He's another one frustrated of the media dragging this shit up. Uh, the game's been incident-free for ages. It's almost finals time and the crisis merchants are back. It's a crisis. Right. Hashtag crisis, Look, mate. mate, I've got to sell papers. So when shit goes down and blokes get baggies and get loose on Mount Monday, Uncle Buzz mm. has to crack the whip. But, again, media feeds I'd the I'd just like to say I was with Sean, guys. <laughs> and he didn't sniff it. We are just having a couple of beers. It's just Omar. He was actually putting on a load of cups after we consumed a few too many schooners. Look, I'd be... People might be shocked, but... <laughs> like, it's... A, <laughs> The amount of players that are doing that sort of stuff, there's, it, it, it's a society problem. Yeah. You go out to a it's pub, not a game problem. You go out to a pub, man. Like there's stacks of oh, people doing it. Every time nightclubs, there's pub. stacks of people doing people it. People don't so try to hide it. Either. Naturally, it's going to infiltrate our game. There's going to be people doing it, yeah. whether they get caught or not. People aren't trying to hide. Is it, it the worst crime in the world? No, but it's just dumb that you took a photo and yeah. you're now publicising it. Like just if. There's, 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 there would be players out there doing it, but they wouldn't be advertising it or sending photos to their friends to potentially pop up later. No. Uh, Nathan Chalker says, who do you think Penrith might go after for the number nine next year, or do you think they'll continue with Kenny or Egan? Uh, Kenny. Egan, I think, is on the back burner. I still think they need to find a nine. And again, Harry Grant, the guy at Melbourne that was the third stringer, would have gone for, but he's tied himself back up for another year or two with Melbourne. So yeah. I think a bit of an opportunity was missed there, but... Um, no doubt. Well, maybe he didn't want to go. Maybe Grant wanted to stay there. Yeah, I'm Why sure would you he want did. To Otherwise, Melbourne? he wouldn't have signed the deal. What a um, no, yeah, I get that. But I'm sure if he went to them in the next twelve but if months, someone, and someone found came to him and gave him double what Melbourne yeah. were offering, like he probably would have went. I think the club would let him go too. I don't think they'd hold him back. But for now, clearly he's happy to keep developing himself there. So mm. Robert Sims says a bit late for a state of origin question, but do you think Queensland would have won the series with Cameron Smith in the team? I'm thinking he would have been enough to get them over the line in Game Three. Yeah, maybe game three. 
Game two wouldn't have made a difference. They no. got blown off the park. Game three. We'll never know. Possibly, but again, yeah, we'll never know about that, unfortunately. He's the best player in the game. Most influential player in the game. Easily. Luke Tomlins, hey boys, be so stoked if you get that Super Saturday going. I'd travel from Newcastle to have a few jars, watch your games. Talk footy with the crew would be unreal. He's a proud Bulldog, but he'll be backing the Raiders come September. Who's your piggyback team, Brock? With what, the is, tot- what does that mean? Well, if the Titans are out, who are you jumping on with? No. I usually just jump on with Melbourne with you. I'm, I'm happy if your team... Wins yeah, yeah, more good, often. Yeah, than good not. like that. I'll give you that. More often, that's just how I live my life. Supporting your teams at the pointy end. Mm-hmm. James Hughes says, "Is it fair that Nathan Brown can receive back-to-back wooden spoons whilst Garth Brennan gets sacked?" Well, I think Newcastle are a much stronger club culture-wise and understood the situation they were in and backed their coach. Whereas the Gold Coast hired a bloke, let him spend some money, and then tried to get rid of him less than twelve months after he'd been there. I think it just shows the difference in the way the yeah, club's. But I also think the Gold Coast have played finals football the season prior like Henry came the Hayne came they played finals then it all went to shit and then Brennan came in so they enabled that though I, no I get they all that what, but what I'm saying is I the got... roster I think the roster at the Titans at a point in time when Brennan took over was better than the roster that Brown had when he took over that would be my only 100% argument. Yeah. they didn't have the cap drama he had to yeah. go through a cap situation Doug Waters says, foolish prediction, which young player under 25 could you see being a future immortal? I'd go Tom Travojevic. I'd say... Under 25, off thinking at the moment. Well, I tell you, I'll make it even more foolish because I reckon it's harder to pick a guy that's not a spine player. I'm going to pick someone who's not a spine player. I'm going to say Cameron Murray. I'd say Munster. How how old's Munster? He'd be around that age probably now. If he's not 25. But oh. Again, I'm just saying non-spine player to try and be a little bit different. Future though. immortal, man. Like, that's a huge call, though. Like, far out. That's make, that's me basically saying that Cameron Murray is going to be one of the best middle forwards of all time for a decade plus. Origins, Australia, etc. That's a massive call. But Dylan Sayo says, what do you think about the huge matchup on Friday night? Katoa versus Boyd. What was that one? What do you think about the huge matchup on Friday night, Katoa versus Boyd? What has Boyd been named on the wing? I haven't seen the lineups yet. I'm assuming it's two of that Penrith game, though. So, let's have a look. Whoops. Wrong one. That's the video. Uh, Friday night. Darius Boyd's at six. Who are we talking about? Katoa, who? No, I don't know where he's getting Katoa Sione, from. Sione Katoa, maybe. Sione Katoa's on the bench. Why, is that I, I think he's history? Just, uh, I don't know. I think he might just be talking about passengers, in all honesty. So, <laughs> if, if that's <laughs> the case, the just throwing a passenger in there. <laughs> Josh Whitehead. The boys doing booger sugar in their own time is their business. Well, it's not. Not when it becomes public. <laughs> not when it becomes public, unfortunately. Lee Turner. I agree with you. I agree with you. Until... They take photos. Yeah. And photos. If you're going to do shit that's going to get you in trouble, at least be smart enough not photos to take photos. Photos become yourself. public, then it becomes an employer issue. Yeah. And Lee Turner, coach of the years. I'm guessing it's between Dez and Bellyache, but I'm leaning towards Bellyache. What's your thoughts? Bellyache. They're fucking six points clear. I can't even believe. Again, like, I'm I heard sorry they're talking about Every, Stewart or Hasler. He's not even getting the mention. And this shits me because people you go, know why? Because oh, it's boring. Everyone knows the he's time. the best coach. What's the point of the, the other board, one? Though? Is the other one that's not being mentioned is Robinson. Trent Robinson should be in the conversation about with injuries. Bellamy as well. 
a lot of stuff happened. Origin period, and they're still sitting second. Again, don't call an award coach of the year to me. Like, if you finish first, it's like the minor premiership, or it's like the Dalian. You're the mm-hmm. best coach, you're the best player, you finish number See, one. See, I think coach of the year should be given after the final series. Oh, I'm a big fan of doing the awards at the end of the year, end of the season. The, end, the season ends when the grand final ends. Mm. Lee's also saying, can you remember the last time there wasn't a Queensland side in the finals? I'm thinking it was around 97. Oh, I don't know. I mate. thought 97 was Super League. Didn't the Brisbane Broncos make the grand final? Wasn't that Super League ARL? Uh, well, 98. Um, Didn't they play the Sharks back-to-back years? Super League? Well, no, well, no 98. Brisbane, I was only Brisbane, Brisbane won it. But... So since the NRL era... I don't know. You'd have, you have to go back and have a look. Yeah. Because Brisbane have won comps. Cowboys have won comps. Titans have been to the finals twice, three times. Three times, I think. Titans made the finals in 09, 2010, and then again in 2015 or whatever it was. Well, Cowboys and Bronx have sustained finals wide. The Titans have been struggling. but yeah. The last one we've got here, Daniel French just saying, what do the Knights do now? I think we've spoken enough about the Knights and all everything they could do, but... For the time being, finish out the year, decide what they're going to do with the coach, move on any players that don't want to be there. If they get Braley, which they already have already locked in, that's a good move. If they can get Catewell, I think that improves again. Yeah. Another position of need, but they need to settle on what their spine's going to be. You've got Ponga, you've got Pierce, you've now got Braley. To me, Leno Watson, who's playing six, I'd play Watson at six before I just left him lingering on the bench. If they're going to keep using him as a bench utility, they need to find a decent six. That's something they haven't solved yet. Probably the one thing I will say for them moving forward, and Brown mentioned this last night in 360, they've had a really good crop they've been working on coming through <coughs> for a few years now, and this year they've only blooded one of them in Phoenix Crossland, and he basically said it himself. We don't want to just give jerseys away like we did four or five years ago. So both for Moore, who was the 20s player of the year last year, good back row, lock. Only problem is he just did his ACL. Mm. So he's unlikely to be able to start next year. Gerard Mamasi is another front rower. Sami Solo is a big young front rower. Bradman Best is 18, played in the 20s New South Wales, centre winger. Stafford Toe is a gun fullback winger. They've got a nice little core group coming through that they're hoping to blood next year and put them over the top, like a lot of these sides. But mm. we'll have to wait and see if he's there to see that through because there's a high possibility that, unfortunately, he won't be. But there you go. That's all the questions we've got for this week, Boxhead. Moving on. Uh, no gossip from Mr. Gossip, but we got his tips through. And the tips, our bets, and everything else is brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. They basically broke even on the weekend, the boys, but they had a very good weekend as far as their line betting was concerned. They had the Dogs 4.5. They got that one. The Warriors with the 7.5 start got that one. Panthers 4.5. The only line that went down, and we'll take claim for this because I picked it, I picked that Raiders game out of the bets they sent through as their best bet. If I would have went with their one for the Dogs, they would have been 3 from 3. So best bets, they're three from three, in my opinion. Wow. Because I stuffed them this week. But as I've said before, there's a month to go. It's a monthly package. The best time to try it out, if you're interested, is now. Get on board when the run into the finals. The last four weeks, try out the package. Give it a go. Get on board with the boys. And if you're interested also, the NFL's coming back. We're putting our best bets up during that, obviously. We're big fans of that box head. They yeah, cover yeah. that. They cover the cricket. They cover absolutely everything, the pro sports syndicate. So get on board. Give them a dig this last month. Uh, let's do... Some games, Boxhead, shall we? Shall we? And the first one we've got, obviously, a big clash. Manly versus the Tigers. Tigers need to win this one as far as changes go on the Manly side of things. Two forced by injury. Brad Parker's out. He's replaced by Brendan Elliott in the centres. Curtis Siren is out with a hamstring injury. Replaced by Gak Gajewski on the bench. On the Tigers side of things, and by Gornski's Tommy Talao, who we've spoke about, son of Willie Talao. He's going to debut in the centres, the 19-year-old, and Jacob Little takes over from Farrah at hooker. 
And a lot of people have been blowing up saying, why is Josh Reynolds not back on the side? He's in the reserves. So interesting to see what happens there. Mm. Um, even with the possibility of Cherry Evans missing with his ankle, I'm, I'm sticking with Manly. Manly. At Brookvale to bounce back. Manly. Yeah. Clean Mist, sweep. Misty Gossett. He's on board with that Did one. you give an update? On what? On oh, what? sorry. Tips last week. Gossett had a big week. He got six. We both got four. What about in eight, the ANZ comp? I got eight from eight. Well, you clearly tipped differently on there. I tipped differently. I just I changed late in the week. But, I got eight from eight, and I tipped the Broncos in the discrepant game to win by four, and they went by four. I want to know, ANZ Stadium, there should be a prize for that. Eight from eight they, plus they give a margin. Enough. Well, they did. They A couple of years ago, I got a um, perfect round, and they gave me $100 Food and drink voucher. Hit him up, mate. I'm going to send him an email. Write an angry letter and tell him if you don't, you'll put him in the same reckon, uh, part of Monday me, bars yeah. and go, sinner. Tell me the fucking, fucking ANZ last time Stadium for not giving me schooners for getting eight from eight in an absolute fucking... I got eight from eight, plus I got zero margin. And that was a hard round. I picked it, the margin exactly. All right, we'll yeah. keep going there. You got Pitching. four, I got four, Gossett got six, we're deadlocked on 97, he's on 96, so he's fought his way back again. Yeah. We're on the run home here, but clean sweep on that first game with the Pro Sports Syndicate. We're all on Manly, and they're the favourites. A dollar twenty nine, three sixty for the Tigers. Minus nine and a half the line. One to twelve Manly, three dollars four seventy five for the Tigers. Thirteen plus for Manly is two twenty nine dollars for the Tigers. Second game: Titans versus Eels up on the Gold Coast. Uh, they've got a bit of stability. They've only made one change this week. Michael Gordon comes back in on the bench at the expense of Leilani Latu. For the Eels, Kane Evans back after food poisoning last week. Alvaro goes to the bench. Tepo Moroa is out of the side. Still no sign of Blake Ferguson at all as far as the reserves are concerned, though, Boxhead. Mm. I think this one's easy. Para. Yeah. You can't tip. The Titans will win a game before the end of the year. I'm pretty confident of that. It's just when it happens. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly right. Mr. Gossip, he's also on board. Clean sweep again with the Pro Sports Indy. The Eels, $1.35. Three fifteen for the Titans. Minus 7.5 is a line. 1 to 12 Titans, four fifty. Two ninety for the Parramatta Eels. 13 plus for the Titans, $7.250 for the Parramatta Eels. Broncos, Panthers, another crucial game as far as the finals are concerned. For the Broncos, they've named the same 17. Uh, Alex Glenn and Matt Gillette, they are listed among the reserves. So I assume if there's going to be any changes, if that happened, they'd either push... Uh, for feeder, possibly, back to the bench to get Gillette into the side. And then maybe if they put both back in and Glenn in the back row as well, usually then they had Pangai Jr. playing lock and they put Offie Hengawi back to the bench. If that ended up happening with Fafida and Offie Hengawi, I'd say Reese Kennedy would miss out and then it would be between Flegler and Carrigan. Carrigan's been playing excellent. Very, so very well, yeah. It would be more than likely that Flegler might miss out, but you almost forget that Gillette has been playing. Gillette's... Been missing since Origin 3. Mm. Uh, on the flip side for the Panthers, they've stuck with the exact same side. Stephen Crichton and Spencer Lehner have retained their spots this week. No surprise. Uh, the only difference, obviously, is Matt Burton because that was special dispensation with the injuries they had last week. For him to play, James Maloney returns. Uh, I'm going to put a bit of faith in the Panthers because I think they've got opposite problems. I think the Broncos have got a dynamic forward pack, can roll up field, do all the damage and create second phase play, but I don't think they can put the polish on it. I think Penrith at times have showed they can do that, and other times they've showed they haven't. But last week was a breakthrough game with Nathan. I don't know if that was because Maloney wasn't there and if they can pull it together this week. But it's crunch time now. I'm putting it on those two in particular to put enough polish on it in game management to try and finish things off. I've got no idea. Uh, I'm going to go home team, Broncos. 
Fair enough. That's my rule. Mr. Gossip, he's also on the Broncos with the Pro Sports Syndicate. They're $1.70 favorite, two fifteen for the Panthers. Minus 2.5 is a line. 1-12 to 12 Broncos, two eighty three thirty five for the Panthers. 13-plus Broncos, three forty six dollars for the Panthers. Another crunch game, but for Newcastle, not so much for the Cowboys. They must win this one. Connor Watson is starting hooker. Danny Levi goes back to the reserves. Glasby's out with a concussion issue. He's replaced at lock by Josh King, and the new man on the bench is SES, who has been recalled. For the Cowboys, McLean's back after missing last week. Matt Scott holds his starting spot with Maguire, obviously being suspended. Jordan Carr, who's back from his eye socket injury, and Gellar Mosby is out of the side. And Reuben Cotter, the hooker, is on the bench. Peter Holler, who debuted last week, is out. It's at Newcastle, and they have to win, so I'm going to go the Knights. Knights, yeah. I've got no it's, idea. Of all the places, uh, you know, that home ground advantage, there's not many... Grounds with so much passion, so much atmosphere, so much intent. And I think they, regardless of how they're playing, they always get a good roll-up. Mm. But if they can't get it done this week for their fans... For the fans? For the fans of Newcastle, well, then they've got some serious problems. And I think might, they've got serious problems. There might be the a bloody riot. The place might get burnt down. But we're all a clean sweep. Gossip, he's on the nights as well with the Pro Sports Cena. Got a fifty-one favourite. The Cowboys, two fifty-five minus four and a half the line. One to twelve nights, two eighty five, three seventy for the Cowboys. Thirteen plus three dollars for the Knights, six twenty five for the Cowboys. Storm Raiders, an absolute perler down there, at Melbourne five thirty at Amy Park for the Storm. Uh, Hughes is back after one week. Nico Hines is out of the side, and Pappenhausen's back on the bench. But there's no Brandon Smith. I reckon he's going to be missing for three or four weeks, which is a pretty big blow to be honest. He brings a lot from the bench for the Melbourne Storm. So they're stuck with Tui Kamika Mika. Tino Famasulawai has held his spot and Joe Stimson. So I, I like Tino. I like the fact they get some game time into him. For the Raiders, Joey Leilua is back into the starting centre spot, pushing Nick Kotrick to the wing. And they've chose to have Bailey Simonson on the bench, which pushes out of the side. Saliva Harvili. And they've also got Sam Williams sitting in their reserve. So... I'm not really a big fan of the outside back on the bench unless you think there's going to be someone get injured or pull out of the game, but see how that plays off for them. Uh, I, I think, again, like last week, they really need to claim a scalp against one of these big sides to just give them some confidence heading into the finals. But Melbourne in Melbourne with the chance to wrap up the minor premiership and then the week after they play the Titans, where I think they might rest a lot of players again, I think Melbourne are going to go all out this week. Yeah, you, you don't tip against Melbourne in Melbourne. If this was in Canberra, I'd, I'd almost tip the Raiders, but no, I'll go with Melbourne. But I think the Raiders, I think that price, I'd, I'd, one of my bets will be Raiders plus six and a half because uh, I, I think they're I just, that's a lot of points for two top eight teams. Fair enough. And Mr. Gossip, he's also on the storm. They are favourites of the Pro Sports Indicate, a dollar forty-one, two ninety for the Raiders. Minus six and a half is the line. One to twelve storm two ninety, four dollars for the Raiders. Thirteen plus for the Storm, two sixty-five, seven dollars for the Raiders. Souths versus the Bulldogs, definitely not an easy kill either, but they need to get a win this week to get themselves back on track. Sam Burgess returns from his quad injury. He's going to be playing in the front row, which pushes Junior Tyler to the bench. Jaden Sewer is in the back row, which I'm very happy about because I think they need someone dynamic and aggressive on the edge, and this seems like a bit of a timely switch up this week. He's in that back row, which pushes Britt to the bench, who's been doing a great job. Burns is back in the centres. Kyle Turner uh, is out with a hamstring. Mark Nichols and Corey Allen are out of the side. Honestly, Brock, I like the change they've made here. 
Sam Burgess and Lee Knight in the front row. Leg speed, dynamic, offloads, footwork. Ethan Lowe's been playing off the bench. He was excellent in origin. He's finally starting in the back row. His right spot. Jaden Suar I thought was a great pickup. Loved the way he played the year before. Obviously fell out of favour under Seabold. Bennett's loved him up. I think that forward pack, bar not having George obviously there, is the best forward pack they've picked in a long time. Mm. Burgess, Cook, Knight, Lowe, Suar, Murray. That's a good looking pack for me. Bench, Tom Burgess, John Sutton's pushed there, gives him someone who can come on, be dynamic, play multiple roles, Dean Britt and Totola. So I don't mind what they've done in their south. Uh, the real question is, and I see it in the reserves, Connor Tracy's in 21, does Adam Reynolds play? They're saying that the back problems is going to be a week-to-week thing. If he's not good to go, you can't play him. No. Because you need him I, right for finals. I tend to think they'll err on the side of caution and probably rest him this week. For the Bulldogs, they have named the same 17 as last week, but Kieran Foran is lurking in the background there. I'll, I'll tip South, but I really like what Canterbury are doing. I tipped them last week, the Dogs, and they, they got the job done. I just think South probably got a little bit more to play yeah, for. It's too important. They have to win this week. So mm. I'm going to stick with South because top four is in the line. But again, but like eight and a half, it's Canterbury. Big. But we're all on South, and then with the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're a dollar thirty-two favourite. Three thirty-five for the Dogs, minus eight and a half is a line. South are three dollars, one to twelve, four seventy-five for the Bulldogs. Thirteen plus for South is two twenty-five, eight dollars for the Bulldogs. Roosters versus the Warriors at the SCG. For the Roosters, Boyd Cordner is in the reserves, but don't know if he's going to play. Otherwise, they've basically got the same lineup as the week before. Verrills would come off of that leg injury. Apparently not so severe. He wanted to go back on, but they wouldn't let him. I think he's been doing a good job. Crichton's still there in the back row. Uh, probably the only change possibly if he doesn't play. Liu was named to start last week, but then they swapped to Tedavano. I still like the fact, uh, regardless of who they play, that they just get the job done. The Warriors, I can't back them two weeks in a row, and especially coming over to play a quality side that's trying to make sure that they get a home final and finish in top two. So I'll stick with the Roosters. Yeah, Roosters. And for the Warriors, no changes, but Cody Nicarima was in their extended reserves. Between Chanel, Tavita Harris, and the way he played for the rest of this year, I'd be saying it's your jersey to lose to finish the season. Mr. Gossip agrees. Clean sweep on the Roosters, and they're a dollar eighteen favourite. The Pro Sports Syndicate four seventy five for the Warriors minus thirteen and a half. That's a big start. One to twelve for the Roosters, three dollars six dollars for the Warriors. Thirteen plus for the Roosters, a dollar eighty five fourteen dollars for the Warriors. And the last game of the round, the Battle of the Shire. It is the Sharks versus the Dragons. And for the Sharks, Matt Moylan, he's back from the concussion, which pushes Josh Dugan to the centres. Josh Morris to the wing, and Ronaldo Mulitalo is out of the side. Fafita's out with a knee injury. Billy Magulius comes onto the bench to replace him. For the Dragons, Luciano Leilua starts in the back row. Tarek Sims is now out for the season. Blake Laurie is recalled onto the bench in the only other change. Extended bench, Tristan Saylor, Josh Kerr, Reese Robson, Zach Lomax. Again, I don't understand why they don't give Saylor a game. Just see what he is. If they're not sure on that Tim bloke, again, I can only put it down to one other thing, that he doesn't fit well with the group or there's something else you don't know. Because if you're playing so well in Cup, there's only uh, has to be other reasons why you're not getting a run in a team that's finished with you. And I don't know the bloke, so I can't make that statement. But you're a coach, I'm pretty sure you'd agree with me that there's got to be something else there if you're not willing to play a guy that's dominating week in, week out. I find it hard to figure that one out. Yeah, I'm not sure. So again, even just at least give him a game, but mm. who knows. Jackson Ford, the debutant from last week, holds on to his spot, as does... What have we got? James Graham pushes from lock back into the front row of the 400 gamer. And Ewan Aitken maintains his spot in the centre as the 100 gamer. Uh, too much to play for for the Sharks. Their season's not over. The Dragons Sharks. are way too inconsistent. 
So I think this one may get ugly. And, I, you know, given the way they've been playing recently, you'd like to think the Sharks would turn up fired up. Mr. Gossip, clean sweep again. Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.35 for the Sharks, three fifteen for the Dragons, minus eight the line. One to twelve sharks, two ninety four fifty for the dragons. Thirteen plus two forty for the sharks, seven fifty for the dragons. Alrighty, so best bet number one, you've got Canberra plus six and a half at a dollar ninety. Is there anything else you like, Boxhead? Yeah, I do. I, um, I'm going to go. There's a bet. Uh, first try trifecta. In the Manly game, I'm going to go Tom Trebojevic to be either the first, second, or third try scorer at three dollars fifty. Who's that with? That's with Bet Easy. Tab or something. Bet Easy. Alrighty. Um, Bet Easy, mate. If you go to try well, scorer markets and you scroll down, I don't want to be too harsh to your side, Brock. But it I... says box first try scorer to score the first, second, or third try of the match, mate. Three twenty-five. Sorry. Well, I'm going to take the Parramatta Eels to give your side a touch-up. Thirty plus. <laughs> at two, oh, jeez, what a fucking outlandish statement! Outlandish statement. So I'm going to take that one, mate. I think they're going to dust them. I really oh, do. Um, what about last week? I bloody took Titans with the line and they fucking conceded that late try, which cost me. And the other one, again, I think they've burned me multiple times when I bet on this year, but I'm going to take the Sharks to 13 plus the Dragons. Ugh. They're probably screwed me. They've screwed me know, in the yeah. confidence pool. Our tipping comp plenty of times, but yeah, I think there's a few teams where things are done this year and there's a couple of teams that are looking to really put themselves in a good position here, so hopefully a big performance from both those sides. But if not... That's us done for another week. It is. Another big show. Thanks to everybody for your questions, for tuning in. Make sure you rate and review us on iTunes. Feel free to send us any questions in the inbox. And most importantly for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where are you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.